the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show on KDXC 101.1 FM, The Answer. And uh, yes, it's not Dave. It's Carl Kimball here sitting in for Dave while he's taking care of some personal family uh, matters. And he may be in later this afternoon, but for right now, you're stuck with old Carl Kimball. And man, I usually like to start with, you know, the old it, open up, it's me, Dave. Dave's not here. But then it occurred to me that, you know, you got to be my age probably to get it. So we'll skip that this I, I've time. heard of that before, but I just, I, I just I really don't know the context. It was it. a hilarious comedy album that probably was, came out before you were born, Paul. Probably so. I'm here with a truncated version of Dave's usual Tuesday panel. I'm here with my good friend and outstanding radio voice and prophet for the ages, Paul Calvert. <laughs> Paul, good to have you with us. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Do we know if Artie Hopper and um, Jan are coming? Uh, actually, Dave didn't inform me. I assumed that they might be here. Okay. And I also assumed that they might not. So if they don't show up, let me. they'll have to listen to you and me talk a whole bunch. <laughs> I, I if, think they're coming. I, I expect it. I, I don't recall R.D. or Jan either establishing a sterling reputation for punctuality <laughs> the way I would have thought by now Zach would have realized I should be renowned for. But uh, I hadn't let you down yet, have I, Zach? Well, well if you're going to be in the, um, the hot seat, you probably ought to be here. Yeah, probably ought to be here yeah. on time. Well, we're here to talk for the next few hours or until Dave gets back, whichever comes first. And, uh, you know, there are so many things we could talk about. And it's such a it's a great day to be alive it really is it's it's nice and warm it's a it's a wonderful day a wonderful time to be alive in so many ways and and it would be just you know great to be all sweetness and optimism but i can't help it the number one story they got to talk at least a little bit about the number one story of the day and i know that probably most of dave's listeners are like i am when i'm not substituting for dave when i'm not substituting for dave i'm usually listening to dave on the computer at my office, and the phone rings, or I get stuff comes up, and I can't really give it my full <laughs> attention. I certainly can't take time usually to call in because I'm usually trying to listen amidst a swirl of other activities. And so I understand if you're enjoying listening to Dave's show but don't have time to call in. But on the off chance that Dave does have listeners who are perhaps on welfare and sitting around on the sofa in their pajamas and robe and, and, and just, you know, killing or, or, time. Or maybe or, they're getting up or, after or, working the night shift. Or, or, or maybe maybe they worked real hard all week and this happens to be their day off or for whatever reason. If you're one of Dave's listeners and are sitting around and have time to call in, we'd invite your calls. 
We're going to be talking a little bit about the top news of the day here in the first segment. And if you would like to opine on impeachment, whistleblowers, or any of the other big stories of the day, you can call us here at 8230967 for those of you in Pine. Six five. Six five, I'm sorry. Eight two three zero nine six five, and that number for those listeners in Fayetteville or Pine Bluff is five zero one eight two three zero nine six five. So call us if you'd like. Give us your opinion on the stories of the day. We'd be glad to hear from you. Glad to share a little airtime with those who'd like to opine on Dave's show. Now, Paul, have you got anything you'd like to say about the great whistleblower controversy? Um, was it a really a great whistleblower, or was this just a um, well a a whistle in the wind. I'm trying to remember now who it was who said, and I'm, I'm showing my age because I ought to remember this, but there's some famous person that said, if you control the language, you control the society. Who was it? Was that, was that Vladimir Lenin or was it George Orwell? I, sorry, I can't remember. But, but the, there's not much doubt that the Democrats and the left wing control the language in our society well it, when you get children at four and five years old or two and three and you brainwash and, them and all you, through school right and you take their brains out and you wash them through the washing machine it's a socialist washing machine and, then, and by the time they're in their 20s it, yeah they're pretty you can well you know and, and like that poor unfortunate swedish girl who was raised by her highly activist and very rich and privileged parents to be a total climate alarmist. She sails this, they called it solar-powered sailboat, they, the, this solar-powered sailboat that she sails across the Atlantic to come to the United Nations and at, at berate least, us all at, 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 that at, we're killing the planet. At and least, then she flies back. The, the, oh, the, she flies back. She, okay. she, not only does she fly back, they flew the sailboat back to Sweden. Oh, wow. Can you imagine? The, I, the, I was going to give her some props for, for I, actually sailing and kind I, of setting yeah, the but, principles. But, okay, yeah, you but sail I may across not and then you fly your boat of, back? You know, considering that I don't fly as a matter of principle, even driving around for the rest of my remaining life, I doubt if the rest of my life I'll make as big a carbon footprint <laughs> as flying that sailboat back to Sweden, May. Oh boy! So you know, and and, and the, you know, it's not a it's not a, a unborn child. It's a, a lump. It's a fetus. It's a growth. You know, it's not it's not killing your baby. It's making a choice mm. and. It's not some spy from the deep state who is working as the FBI and the CIA have done consistently since before the 2016 election to destroy Donald Trump. And I tell you, if it, I wouldn't like the guy if it wasn't for the enemies that he has. <laughs> and, 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 and this is just, to me, the latest example of the left screwing with the language. That's not a good way to put it. I'm sorry. I apologize to the audience. Misusing language in order to make the narrative seem to be something that it's not. This guy is not a whistleblower. A whistleblower is someone who is aware personally of some illicit activity and brings it to the attention of someone who can do something yeah, general, about it. Generally, you think of a whistleblower as an actual witness. Yes, and 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 uh, th this so-called whistleblower 
He's a spy in the deep state, someone probably in the CIA, if the rumors are true. But he's someone in the deep state who hates Donald Trump's guts, wishes he was gone, and is willing to take any nefarious action to get rid of him. So I've heard, I've heard, I read a little bit of chatter, I guess. Is, is it true that this so-called whistleblower was actually a third-hand or second or third-hand you second um, or third hand. Yes, he he had he had no personal knowledge, which is one of the things that makes this story so astounding is that Nancy Pelosi, who has up until now somewhat intelligently resisted the squad and their leftist Marxist ilks cries for impeachment, she'd resisted them up until this comes up, and now because a so-called whistleblower who did not even have firsthand knowledge so somebody, of what was in the phone call, makes this accusation, and she comes out to demand impeachment investigations before they even know what was in the phone call, which they would have known within 12 hours anyway. Now, how much sense does that make? I don't know if you're a Democrat or an attorney. I guess it makes uh, a lot. But, uh, you know, Paul, I've got a theory about Democrats I've got a theory that if you really want to know what Democrats are doing, all you got to do is look what they're accusing other people of doing. Well, sometimes, it, you know, you know, like, like uh, Hillary Clinton colludes with Russian operatives to come up with fake dirt on Trump to try and discredit him and then gets used later to try and destroy his presidency. And so Donald Trump gets accused of colluding with the Russians. That is, that I, is an I, interesting... I, I mean, you know, that's yeah, only one what, example what of many. That? Projection? That's only one example of many you could come up with. She colludes, Hillary colludes with the Russians yeah. through, through Fusion GPS and, and, and Michael Steele and all that long story that that those of us who've been paying attention know. Mm. But Hillary essentially colludes with the Russians to get fake dirt on but, Trump, so Trump gets accused of colluding with Russia. Okay, now, here, Trump is being accused of using undue influence of the executive branch. Because he suggests to, that something should be investigated. Yeah, and... And, well, and the thing is, so, so you know, if if I am suspected of something nefarious... And, and I've you, never expected anything and, and, nefarious of you. Right, right. But the thing is, if, if I'm <laughs> if I'm if someone suspects that I'm guilty of something nefarious, if I'm not guilty of it, what's one of the best things that can happen? You release all the potential evidence to the public so they can right. review it and see that right. your hands so, are clean. And so, so if I so if I was involved with um, some other country, and Donald Trump called and said, "Hey, could you investigate this thing with Paul Calvert?" And I'm innocent, and so and so this other country investigates it, and turns out that it exonerates me. Has that helped Donald Trump, or has it helped me? <laughs> it helped me. But but the thing is, though, so are they investigating with the purpose of finding someone guilty, or are they investigating with the purpose of finding truth? Oh, the last thing the Democrats want is truth. They're investigating because they have a deep-seated understanding of the fact that the bozos that they have running are not going to defeat Donald Trump in the election unless they can damage him severely. And I don't think they're going to – they may impeach him. They'll never kick him out of office before and, and the next they do, election. And if they do, they get Mike Pence. 
It'll, it'll never, it'll, yeah, but it, you know, well, I mean, kicking they, them out of they, office before the next election, right. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I, I but think but they right. think they can damage him. They think that, that from now until the election in 2020, it's going to be the impeached President Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's, it's well, for but, political but, gains, but his, is all that but it is. But over the last couple of years and through the election, Donald Trump has proven that when they dish it out, he feeds it back with interest. Well, you know, there's one radio personality who says that if it wasn't for double standards, Democrats would have no standards at all. And I think that they're I think that they're right because you know here you got the vice president, the sitting vice president of the United States. Talk about about what's being. Hey, Jan. Hey, Jan Morgan just arrived to join the panel. Welcome, Jan. Glad to see you. Looking fantastic as usual. Well, we're in the first part of a show, and we're just about to take our first break. But before we do, what we've been talking about, of course, is the number one story of the day, the so-called whistleblower. Right. And, and, and how amazing it is that you can have a sitting vice president go to another country mm-hmm. Make deals that results in his drug addict son getting a fifty thousand dollar a month no show job, and then threatening to cut off millions of dollars of aid to that country unless they fire a prosecutor that's looking into him, and then in the next administration, when the next administration says to that country, "We need to look into this," aha, we've got to impeach that guy. <laughs> Now, when we come back from break, I want you to tell me how that makes any sense at all. And, uh, Zach, I think we're ready to take our float and break now, and we'll be back in just a few. That's not the way they do it, is it? Welcome back to 101.1 The Answer. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show, and you're here with Dave's panel, slightly expanded now. Got Paul Calvert, Jan Morgan here. Thank We're you for joining us. We're missing RD. RD, I don't, I, I haven't talked to today. He may show up later. Or, uh, if he doesn't, we'll just have to talk more. This yeah. is Carl Kimball, usually from Chanel Insurance, just sitting in for my buddy Dave until he makes it back and he may be here later today we're hoping that we'll see him but uh you know how it is with personal and family matters and how long sometimes you got to sit in a waiting room to get the official word but anyway i think things are all going to work out okay and we wish him the best we We sure do and and we wish linda the best that's a terrible injury to have to go through because uh, it can be very painful one to recover from well we've been talking about the top story of the day and paul and i've been rambling on about it so it's only fair i give jan a chance to weigh in do you have anything you'd like to say about The great scandal of this week. Have you ever asked me if I had something to say and I ever said, no, I have nothing to say? (laughs) That's why (laughs) I was glad to to ask you. Well, you know, look, the Democrats, what I have learned throughout history is that the Democrats usually accuse us of what they've been doing. They got here five minutes too late. I just said (laughs) Oh, did you say that? Yeah. Well, I wasn't listening because I was coming up the elevator. Psychological projection. Yeah, but it's the truth. You know, truth, if if one person says it, there might be something to it. If two people say it, and if the two two people are you and me, then it's definitely probably true probably true yeah so uh, look i all the democrats are doing is is uh, putting nails in their coffin that's it you think this is uh, going to backfire oh, on them absolutely you know the russian hoax was enough of a deal was enough of a problem for them and now this because look people in this country and i'm talking about democrats included and i'm talking about moderate democrats uh and people that are on the fence and people who are independents and people who are just non-political 
people know that we have some serious problems in this country, and they want those problems addressed, problems that impact their lives every day. What's going on now is just a a sideshow because they know that nobody they have on that debate stage is going to be able to give President Trump a run for his money in the election. They know. They don't have anybody. And so all they are trying to do is discredit him, discredit him, and discredit him. But in the process, because of their complaints are so lame, they're just discrediting (laughs) themselves. It's hurting them. So just keep it up. I think it's a great st- strategy, Democrats. I think you should continue to follow it. Just go right ahead. Uh, Jan Morgan's going to be their new. That's uh, right. So their, their, their new. Now, Jan, I know you're a lot younger than I am, but you might be old enough possibly to remember, like I do, that there was a time when the Democrats and Republicans had different ideas about how to solve America's problems, mm-hmm. but both of them were loyal to America, both of them were loyal to the constitutional system, and both mm-hmm. of them worked towards the good of the American people as they saw it. Right. That doesn't seem to be true anymore, does it? No. You know, I've often said if John F. Kennedy was alive today, he would be a Republican. And I think that we there are... He might be to the right of Republicans. And, and you know, yeah, it, I hate for us to just box everybody into one group, because I honestly have some friends who are Democrats. There are actually some Democrat too. legislators in Arkansas who have voted with us on uh, constitutional issues, on like gun rights, Second Amendment stuff, who voted the right way and helped us. Uh, I say those those are far and few in between, but they are still there. I'm just waiting for them to figure out that their party has left them and then just move on over to our party. One of my uh, best friends is, is a gun-toting pro-life guy right. that just is absolutely hardcore Democrat. And I cannot, sure. I cannot for the life of me understand how he reconciles so, so what, what is because he's still hanging he's still holding on to the old yeah, principles the old school yeah. democrat party which no longer exists well, and and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm fighting to keep the republican party the old school republican party because no, we're, we're moving too that. far left no, i know it's I been it's been a battle with you more. But, but you know we're making progress we are making progress if you watch there are committees county committees republican committees in this state that are are starting to put out resolutions holding their legislators accountable uh, craighead <laughs> county is leading the pack in this state they have actually come out with resolutions saying look we have a republican party platform it is so very specific right? yes jonesboro if you are a legislator and you ran as a Republican, we expect you to adhere to these platform principles because this is the basis of who we say we are. Yes, that little booklet is wonderful. Uh, So if you don't agree with that, then you don't need to run as a Republican. And if you expect to get financial backing from our committee, then you need to adhere to these platform uh, principles. Furthermore, there are other committees in Jackson, uh, Jackson County. County. Yeah, they just came passed, out they on Pro recently. 2A. They just passed another one. But I can tell Jackson you that there County. are some county committees now that are even looking at exercising their their right to give a non-recommended status to certain legislators, hmm. meaning you voted the wrong way after we elected you. In conflict with our platform, we're going to issue a non-recommendation status to Gosh. your campaign. Yeah, I mean they're they're getting they're 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 fighting back, and I'm glad to see that. I Look, am it's, too. it's it's not that it, people say, well, Jan is divisive. I'm, I'm not divisive. The party is already divided. I'm you're, trying to bring us back together to the platform. It, the, the division is being caused by the people on the far left who have influenced the establishment end of our party. I'm trying to bring everybody back to the platform and say, look, regardless of where you stand, Stop. these are our principles. Stop compromising. We, we have to <laughs> yeah, start compromise, stop compromising with the left. Get back to our platform. This is the one place we can all come to the table and say, these are our principles. We're going to adhere to these, period. Well, Jan, don't you know that if you have principles, mm-hmm. you're always going to be divisive mm-hmm. against yes. those who are willing Yes. Those who are willing to 
compromise their principles are always going to be well, a, lot, a lot of people don't have separated principles. by that. a lot of people don't have principles a lot of people actually sadly have, they, they have a list of beliefs. do you have principles paul I hope I do. <laughs> have you not heard that, man? <laughs> and so what a lot of people have is they have a list of beliefs. So and, and stop killing your babies and read the Bible. Well, I mean, there's that, <laughs> sure, let's start with that. And the, I thought the, that was a pretty good start. Uh, yeah, hey, I think there, right? so. I think so. Um, but the thing is, is, so many people have a hodgepodge list, list of beliefs and, and, and instead of having principles. And so, so their beliefs are often highly contradictory with each other. It's, it's kind of maddening sometimes. It is indeed. Okay, we've got about 30 seconds if you want to add anything else to No, I just, I'm about to uh, share this feed on my international feed on Facebook, and we're going to be inviting everybody to come in and call in and weigh in on the okay. topic so we can hear from people around America. Thank you. Anybody who wants to call the Dave Ellswick Show, phone number here is area code 501-823-0965. And when we come back from our bottom of the hour break, we're going to invite you to call in, join us. We would love to have your contribution to the conversation. Meantime, you are listening to The Answer 101.1 FM. Thank you for being with us. We'll be back just shortly. Ooh. Man, I love to be stimulated. <laughs> and I'm stimulated by the idea of some of that nice, cool fall weather coming is, is here. That coming? Like 80 degrees. Oh, yeah. That, that, that I know. That's like, why I, I'm, I'm jumping. This, you know, I actually put on a sort of a, some people call this a sweater today, even though it's looking, got holes in it. You're but, looking great, but it's but, still a little warm for me for this kind of uh, yeah, weather. I I'm assumed you came up in your air-conditioned sedan instead Absolutely. of riding the bike. <laughs> yes. We're going to take a caller right now. we got Dave from Nashville, Arkansas. Dave, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Have I got you on the line now? Uh, yes, sir. Great to hear from you, Dave. Tell me what you'd like to opine on, and uh, the next minute's yours. Uh, you know, I've heard different theories on this impeachment deal. I've heard the Democrats are trying to kill two birds with one stone, get rid of Biden with this and muck up Trump, but, you know, I don't know about that. And secondly, you know, I've, I'm disappointed in the people that we're sending to Washington, you know. <laughs> Tom Cotton. That's a big Tom club. Tom Cotton is the prime example, you know. He, so why are you unhappy he's with Tom? These red Same reason well, he, I'm unhappy with Tom. On, exactly. I, I agree with Jan on this. He's wanting to do anything with red flag laws for the, the stuff to... For the state to come in and take guns without trial. I mean, and and when he ran, he he ran. I thought he was a good, solid conservative, and now he's been up there for however long, and now he's he's getting he's getting some of the swamp in him. Would you rather have Blanche Lincoln or uh, oh, or no, a I young prior back? <laughs> no, I you know, but there's got <laughs> there. I think there ought to be term limits. Well, I'm a hundred percent, Dave. I got I, I got to tell you, I'm one hundred percent with you. I think that even when you send somebody really good to Washington, if he's there thirty years later, he's hardly worth a damn. So I I give you props for that. I think you're a hundred percent right on. And another thing, I want to compliment you on, Dave. I think you were extremely astute in suspecting that there may be some Democrats trying to get both Trump and Biden with this, because I don't see how you can somehow manage to 
to damage. I don't think they'll ever knock him out of office, but I don't see how you can damage Trump over this Ukraine business without the poop sticking to the ex-vice president, since he's the one whose family actually got the money. I don't think there's been any evidence of Trump getting paid off by the Ukrainians, but Lord knows the Bidens sure did. So That's an, uh, That is an interesting uh, idea. I, I, yeah. I didn't bring that up in the first half hour, but that is one of the things I was going to toss out today, is I think that, that they may want to get rid of their own front runner and clear the way for either Elizabeth Warren or one of their more socialist candidates. Got anything you'd like to add before we let you go, Dave? I've heard, I've heard Hillary's rattling her saber wanting to come back in. <laughs> That's that's a very rusty saber, Dave. And uh, while I've heard her rattling it, I don't think I have seen any troops rallying to the call. Thank you so uh, much. True. Thank you so much for your call, Dave. We appreciate your being part of the Dave Ellswick show today. And if there's anybody else in Dave's audience sitting around the sofa in their pajamas with nothing better to do, come on, give us a ring and tell us what you think. Now, I know that my friend Jan Morgan is just dying to pop in on something. I'm going to give you the floor, well, Jan. Well, yeah. Well, he, he mentioned Senator Tom Cotton, mm-hmm. and uh, the senator is usually pretty, pretty, you know, on top of the issues. On most uh, things, for us. He's, pretty yeah, he's, he's pretty conservative. And I, I'm hoping that we can. Can change his position on this uh, because what what he was he actually came on Dave's show uh, what, about two weeks ago two or three uh, weeks ago I don't know I don't if you were here but yeah, we yeah, asked him we about talk, this we talked to him he, about it. he says that he didn't support red flag laws but he was going to push it back to the states the problem is and that's good I said that's very good states rights so let's yeah let's, let's let's protect state sovereignty however with that push there were federal dollars attached as incentive to pass for states to pass red flag laws. I do not like that. No, I don't like that. And so I know that the senator has had a lot of backlash. I know people have called him and gone. If you go to his Facebook page, they've just railed him. So I'm hoping that he's going to look at it and go, okay, obviously the people don't like this idea and back away from it. So so on principle, I think he's maybe a little bit naive about how the system works. And so, you know, when I when I looked at the the. He hasn't been there 30 years yet. No, no, he hasn't. But the thing is, that I think even being there 30 years might not have helped any. So <laughs> so, so when I looked at the red flag laws that were proposed by um, Greg Letting and um, Will Bond mm-hmm. during the last legislative session, they didn't sound all that bad. But the problem is we don't have a system in place to hold government officials accountable and other people accountable when they lie and, and get the government to basically swat someone. And so that's that's part of the big problem with the – did you, the red flag did you laws. really just say the red flag logs didn't sound that bad? Well, the way Can was, I throw the, this sponge at you? Sure, sure, if you want to. Okay, so, <laughs> how so, but dare anyway, you? The, the, way it was, the way it was written. I don't care how it's written. You show me one red flag law that does not violate your first, second, fourth, and, fifth, and, and, sixth, and eighth amendment and, and rights. That's the thing is it actually had a lot of had, had a lot of safeguards in it. No, if you they can't. Were, no. If they were followed. No. I, mean, I, actually read, I actually read the bill. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, though, so it, it had a lot of a lot of safeguards in it. However, we cannot trust the government to actually follow the safeguards that we have have in place now. Paul just said we don't have any mechanism in place to do something when politicians lie. Actually, we have one and the only one. We can vote. And and, and that is the election. But the thing is that the free and fair election is strongly dependent on on a free and disinterested press. And when you got 99% of the press – Hiding the lies of one side 
and, and, well, and faking and, and, lies and, and, and about the and, other and side, and how not, can we have fair elections well, and I'm not, when there's no fair knowledge on which to base those but, elections? Well, and I'm not, I'm not talking so much about the elected officials lying in these cases. I'm talking about just either either false witnesses lying to get get someone – Someone's rights taken away from it, or even government officials that are not elected. Oh yeah, I see what you right. mean. Like so, someone, someone who who tries to get even with someone by invoking a red flag law against right, the next right. spouse so, or and, something. And so, what I understand right currently, we have a problem with that. With yeah. people basically sicking DHS on a, on a um, on an ex spouse. Yeah, or I've a, heard of that too, or, or that sort of thing. And from what I understand, there's just very very little accountability for people who lie in those cases. And so, I, I think. If, if for no other reason, that is a good reason not to trust the government with more power to take people's rights away because they do not hold themselves accountable when they're when – they're, um with the current system in place. I mean it's just – Red flag laws will not pass in this state. I can just tell you right now. If it do – I don't they think do, they can pass in Congress I don't either. care what you call them. You can, you can call it gun think, confiscation think, order, extreme risk protection order, or red right flag laws. Point. But I can tell you there will be a revolt. Of mass proportion, should our legislators step off into that you, pile of crap? Do you, think, do you think that the federal Congress could pass a red flag? You law? know, I I don't I mean, know, I know what's going to happen on the federal the level, Democrats, but we've already got sheriffs beginning to stand up. For example, uh, Sheriff Chris Brown mm-hmm. in Cleburne County has said uh, he doesn't care what the feds or the state does regarding red flag laws. His officers will not enforce them in his county, and you're seeing more sheriffs deputies. I mean, sheriffs around this country take that kind of stand we need our governors to take that kind of stand we need the the top let the the, our attorney general to say look these these laws are unconstitutional show me one that does not violate your constitutional rights well jan i think your influence is being felt on the dave ellswick show we've got a caller it says from connecticut good nice is this ellen are you calling us from connecticut Hi, yes, Ellen Austin from Connecticut. We're glad to have you on the Dave Ellswick Show Hi, here Ellen. in Little Rock, Arkansas. You got a comment for Jan Morgan? Oh, Little Rock, Arkansas. That means uh, that's where my buddy is, John Richheimer. There you go. Okay, so what did you call to tell us today? Okay, honey, I have a crazy question, and I hope someone can help me figure out because no one else has been able to. I want to know why they have... Uh, terrorist training camps right here in the United States of America all over. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. There are 35 uh, right. at last count. Documented. Why is that allowed? Uh, because the <laughs> political correctness, that's the best yeah, way I can describe it. Why have we allowed yeah. the number of people into our country whose mm-hmm. basic, most fundamental religious belief includes the destruction of our civilization and the enslavement of our progeny. Why are we letting so many of those people who hold that philosophy as their deepest Mm -hmm. held religious belief in? The media is partially to blame because the media doesn't cover. They don't want people to know about these uh, documented terrorist training camps, Islamic training camps, on American soil, there were 35 at last count, and we can show you specifically where they are. Uh, the Christian Action Network actually infiltrated and documented these camps, and they were they unfolded and laid out this whole um, documentary on Fox News a few years ago on the Sean Hannity show. But there's no doubt about it. There's no arguing that they exist. But but the media doesn't want to report that. But they sure as heck reported 
when I decided at my range, when I said, we're going to decide who gets to shoot here, and I said, no Muslims allowed. I remember and, and you stirred when up I, a hornet's I started, nest with the, the media too. was quick to jump on that. And I yeah. said, okay, so why don't you go to all these uh, Islamic training camps in America and find out why they don't allow Christians or anyone who's non-Muslim to train at their facilities? Why is it okay for them? But if I do it, it's a national news story. And nobody had an answer to that. You know, the, the, the bottom line is we had had, uh, at the time that I did that, we had had the highest number of thwarted terrorist attacks in American history. The FBI and Department of Homeland Security had thwarted a record number. That was year 2015. And I had been visited by an FBI agent and told that I was on the ISIS hit list. I mean, the FBI agent Jim, and the head of the counterterrorism me. unit met with me and my husband at the sheriff's department and said, you are on the ISIS hit list. So you tell me, would you let people who align with that ideology bring firearms into your facility? I don't think Ellen, so. Ellen, still with us? <laughs> well, there you go. And we tell also us, have to have, like, we have to have gun permits. They're, they don't have to. What's going on here? Well, we don't have to have gun permits in Arkansas, honey. You need to leave Connecticut and move down here. It depends on the state. But but what we're fighting for and what you need to be fighting for is constitutional carry. Uh, And also, I remember in Connecticut, you guys had a weapons buyback program there for a while, and I saw lines of people. Why are your people turning in their, their firearms? That's right. I, I stood up for a lot of that, and I also let, uh, I don't know, what's his face, uh, uh, the governor over here, Malloy, or whoever it was, and then uh, this other one, Courtney. Mm-hmm. I let them all have it, and I, naturally, I got thrown out of their office, which Ellen, I don't care. Ellen, are, are you aware of any terrorist training camps, either in Connecticut or in your general part of the country? Yes, there's one in Middletown, uh, Connecticut, and there's one also around the Jewett City area. My word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's, that's nerve wracking, and and I mean it's like it's it's crazy because if anybody wants to get a gun, God, I could buy one out of the trunk of a car. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is true, but this is America, and and uh, it shouldn't be. You know, you shouldn't there be shouldn't be. You shouldn't have to go through background checks to buy firearms. That's, Ellen, this you. is America. Thank you so much for calling. We're going to see if we got another. Because caller. the bottom line is, and I, I want to finish this while you're bringing another caller up. The the point of that is. In America, we are free. And allegedly. when you, yes, allegedly free, yes. Uh, and bad guys are always going to get their hands on guns. They're always going to get their hands on guns. So laws and restrictions right. requiring and, and, people to register their firearms and in order to buy firearms and get in, permits, those are let me those see if we only got a discriminate against law abiding citizens. Caller, are you there? I think John. Hello. John, yeah. you're on. Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Thanks for calling us from South Carolina. Wow. What's going well, on? You got any terrorists? Taking the call, Dave. Have um, you got, I'm Carl. Have you got any yeah. terrorist training camps down in uh, South Carolina? Yeah, I believe we do. But um, I wanted to call, and I really admire all you guys. I love Jan to pieces. Oh, well, thank um, you. She is pretty cute. <laughs> It's not yeah, about the way I look, it's about what I say. Time. I was hoping she'd win that damn election. But anyway, <laughs> Jim, when you run, I'll vote for you for president. How's that? Well, that's not going to happen, but thanks anyway. <laughs> well, see, now, if you were moved to Arkansas, you could vote for Hey, I will governor. tell you that I'm an honorary member of the Stokes County Militia in, in your state. Just thought I'd pass that on. And I am well, a former resident. I appreciate it. And I'm a former well, uh, resident I'm a, of Greenville. I'm a disabled veteran, and uh, I'm going to be joining the NRA at the end of the month, and um, and get my concealed carry permit and all that jazz. But 
I do have I do have a suggestion, but I'd like someone with much more experience to school me on why my suggestion would be a bad idea. Okay, spit it out. My suggestion, and now I'm talking about going back 10, 15 years, okay? If you look at all these mass shootings, whether it be in the schools or this latest disaster down in Walmart, I had the idea that what if we set the minimum age to buy an AR-15 or AK-47 at 21? That's an interesting suggestion. A lot of your school shootings, I believe. I I think that's worth discussing, John. Uh, As a former South Carolinian, I'm just grateful and uh, happy for your call. I appreciate your service. And we do need to get in one more break before the top of the hour. And uh, Robbie from Kentucky, if you will please hold on just for a couple more minutes, we will catch up to you right after this break. Well, the legend Dave Ellswick couldn't be here right now, so you got Carl Kimball along with Dave's usual Tuesday panelist, Paul Calvert, and Jan Morgan. Before I throw it back to them, though, we're going to check with Robbie from Kentucky. Thank you for holding on, Robbie. You there? Yes, sir, I am. We're grateful that you called the Dave Ellswick Show here in Little Rock, Arkansas on 101.1 FM. Tell me what your theme is today. Hey, listen, this gun gun control that they've got going on here, I don't I don't understand what they're not figuring out. You know, it's not the gun's fault; it's the people behind the gun. If they if if our government would increase or would do uh, corp, uh, capital punishment, you know, the fear of, of murdering someone anymore is just you know thirty years in jail. You know, that's that's nothing. Yeah, thirty years fact. turns out to be five served, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, I think the, the laws should be, um, you know, people don't fear the laws anymore. And yeah. it's just, you know, you know they, they just, you know, it's just unbelievable. You know, they're, they're, the United States have, has really absolutely lost their freaking mind. I mean, I just don't understand it. I understand what you're saying. You know, back uh, many, 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 many moons ago, when I was a young man, uh, not long out of college, there was a guy that I went to high school with that had been convicted of murder. He'd shot a guy in a holdup, was convicted of murder, thought, well, I'll never see that SOB again, good riddance. And I'm at a party at my house, and somebody that I knew invited his brother, who was friends with this guy, and here comes this guy that five years earlier had shot someone to death. I thought he was in the slammer for for ages, and here he shows up at a party at my house, and oh, wow. I was stunned, man. My jaw dropped. Wow, that 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 is kind of insane, though. But, but ah. I, I think he's I think the caller's right. Is that you know we need to be putting people to death when we convict them of murder, and if yeah. we don't have enough evidence Absolutely. to put them to death, don't convict then them. Put them then, or, if, or if you got enough to convict them, but you don't have enough to to give them the death penalty, at least keep them and stir for no, a very it, it, long you time. You know, if you don't have enough evidence to convict someone of the death penalty or to yeah, to, to sentence them with a death penalty, I'm sorry, you probably don't have enough evidence to convict them of murder. Can I bring up hey, something? Guys, 
We have a lot of people yeah. on, on social media right now asking questions and weighing in. And Thomas Tinker Etcher says, Jan, can you carry in a business that has signs that says no firearms? I think a lot of people are confused about that. I want to answer that rather than just trying to type all that out. You can carry in a business that has signs posted on the door. If it's privately owned business, it's businesses don't get to make laws. They can make policies concerning their businesses. So if you carry concealed in a business that has a no firearm sign on the door, you're not violating their the as law. As long as you keep it concealed. Yeah. Yeah, if it's concealed, you you all all they can do if they catch you is you're violating their policy, not the law. So they can ask you to leave. If you refuse to leave, then they can call police and charge you with criminal trespass. Good That's point, the way it is. Jan. All okay. right, time's fleeting. So Robbie, you got anything? Last comments, just real quick. Hey, listen, we appreciate everything you guys do, and uh, you know we're going to stand by and just uh, hopefully. United States will change, changes back to what we we came from. We're working on it. It's going to take all of us. Thanks for being part of it, Robbie. We got Tyler calling us. Tyler. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, my name is Tyler Garrison. I was uh, calling to say hey to you, Mr. Uh, Brother Kimball there from Albert Pike Temple. <laughs> Hello, Tyler. <laughs> it's good to see you. It's it's good to hear from you. I unmistakably uh, recognized your voice over the radio, uh, so I figured I would call you just to say, hey, I didn't have much to say about the topic or anything. Well, thanks for calling, Tyler. People have told of me that course. I've got a face for radio, so I guess it's a good thing I got the voice to go with it. Tyler, yeah, there hope, you go. There hope you go. it's a wonderful well, week for you. Got anything you want yeah, to add you, before we run out of time? Oh, man, that that's about it. Like I said, I wouldn't call it much to to uh, converse on the subject, but uh, like I said, I just wanted to tell y'all, hey, I know y'all are pretty busy, so I'll just let y'all get back to it. Thank you for your call, Tyler. And I know that Jen and Paul have still got more to say. Paul, have so, you got so anything to add? One of the callers here, I think it was right before the break, <clears throat> mentioned that we should maybe raise the um, minimum age to buy a, an Air 15 or a or an AK-47 or something. Yeah, I nature. thought that I, was not a bad suggestion. I think, I think it's a terrible suggestion. suggestion. It, 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 it's I a mean, human rights violation. It is. I mean, the, the very you fact, the very we, fact we that said, we don't allow, the, the fact that we, we'll, we'll allow a 16-year-old girl to work at a gas station and drive th- at night, but she cannot carry a handgun. That's that's insane. Well, it, it, we, we send we send seventeen and eighteen year olds off to war to fight and defend this country with firearms. You know, so if they're old enough to carry a gun yeah, and, and to carry guns, and I, I just I don't want I want the government out of our lives. Period. The Second Amendment is very clear. Uh, no that, law? That it, well, well, yeah, to keep the government at bay. The Second Amendment isn't your gun permit. You're not getting your permission from the government from, through the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is a statement limiting the power of the government. It says, you government shall not infringe. It is not a grant of rights by it, the government. It, it is, is right. a recognition of Governments the government. Governments can't give you rights. It, it is, is a, a recognition of the government. The limited that power we have a right from God of mm-hmm. self-defense. It is, a exactly. sh- it is a set of shackles mm-hmm. on the government. It is. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. And I hope you'll stick around for the next hour. We may have some fun in the next hour, too. The We're definitely going to have gonna fun. stay around. Yeah, we'll find something <laughs> to get all controversial about if we can help it. We're going to talk about Walmart because Dave said we could. All right. Walmart is mm-hmm. in the crosshairs for Jen. Big Morgan. time. Big time. We're going to make sure that every 18-year-old in the country can carry his AR-15 into Walmart anytime he wants to. (laughs) Come on back after the top of the hour break. Thanks for being with us.
Welcome back. You're listening to the talk show named for the best talk show host in Arkansas, Dave Ellswick. But sadly, Dave's not here. Yeah, but the power panel is here. Most but, of us. But yeah, luckily, the power panel is here. You're listening to Carl Kimball from Chanel Insurance sitting in for Dave this afternoon until he can return. And we've got the power panel, Paul Calvert and Jan Morgan. Jan Morgan from today. The Gun Cave. The, the Gun, gun Cave. Indoor gun. Should range, I say? Hot Springs, Arkansas, Not. where we have drawn people from 12 different countries, trained over 40,000 people from 12 different countries and every state in America. Do you Muslims, too? Uh, no. <laughs> the most interesting and controversial member of the panel here, and she has got more to say on the subject of firearms. Not the Bat Cave, as Dave sometimes calls it. Well, they it. have their own training facilities, 35 across America, where we aren't, we aren't allowed places. to go. Non, non, yeah, if you're, well, it's nice that we've got a, a place that we can go to, yeah, gotta, Jan, and, and you, you provide a valuable service to your thank community. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I want, After all, we those get into, of us who have them legally need to know how to hit something <laughs> with them before we're going to be carrying them around, You right? know, before we're going to get into too much controversy here, I want, I want us to take Never. a moment. I know. I want us to take a moment to uh, pay a special tribute to... The queen of the Republican Party of Arkansas, who passed away yesterday. You know who I'm talking about? Please. Dorothy Crockett. Dorothy Crockett. Most people around Arkansas know her, but she was a pioneer of the Republican Party. She was a Republican in Arkansas when being a Republican wasn't the cool thing to be. When you could meet in the phone booth? Yeah, when there were three or four Mm -hmm. statewide, and that was about it. And she helped. She, as well as some other people, toiled away for decades building this party to the powerhouse that it is today. Uh, And Dorothy, I mean, she was a Republican back when if you were to tell anybody publicly that that's what you were, it's like saying you had leprosy. I mean, that's how bad it was. (laughs) But she worked diligently for decades and she really helped build this party. So uh, anyway, I'm very excited let's, to let's to, say God bless Dorothy Crockett. Yeah, to, to and thank you for being today. a pioneer. Can I give people her funeral arrangements? Because uh, I got those just a few moments ago from her family. Just real quickly, please. Okay. We got a couple. Of Ten a.m. at hold. Roller Swift Memorial mm-hmm. Gardens in Osceola, Arkansas. Uh, that's a well. That's a special service for just the family. Excuse me. Uh, it's at October fifth at First Baptist Church, Osceola, twenty nine hundred West Kaiser. Visitation is at twelve from twelve to two, and their funeral is at two Saturday. This Saturday. Thanks yes. for letting us know about that, Jan. We got Bradley from Conway. Actually, got a caller from Arkansas. All right, Bradley, what's going on? Hey, y'all. I just wanted to make an announcement. My name is actually Major Bradley Edward Bourne, U.S. Army, retired. Thank you for your uh, service, Major. It was my pleasure. Uh, 14 months ago, when I first immigrated to Arkansas from Germany, uh, a guy named Paul handed me his business card because he saw me open carrying in a Walmart in Conway. <laughs> and, Love uh, it. So we did chat a little bit. And ever since then, I've been a listener to y'all's show. And Thank you. I'll backtrack a little bit. How I ended up coming to Arkansas was, I had some job offers, and one of them was Arkansas, so I researched the states I was coming to, and I noticed this young lady named Jan Morgan was primarying Asa Hutchison for uh, the governorship. 
I started reading into Jan and her, her work. And uh, I'll just say like this, uh, the reason I came to Arkansas was because of Miss Morgan. And uh, Well, isn't that a special like, endorsement? Well, uh, thank you so much for your call, Bradley. I I think that Jan's just beaming from ear to ear at that news. I am. That's awesome. What a a fine compliment. Bradley, thank you so much for your call. We're delighted to have you in the audience. And I think we have a call from the Crockett family online, too. So we're going to move to that. Bradley, thank you. Hi, who we got here? Uh, You have David and Sharon Crockett. Thank you so much for calling. And speaking of service to our country, David is Dorothy's son, and he has served in the Navy for how many decades, Dave? Uh, Actually, he was Air Force, Force. and I was in for 30 years. 30 years. Yeah, thank Thank you you for your service. We appreciate you. you. And thank you all for calling in. I don't know if you heard, but I I, uh, gave a special tribute to Mrs. Dorothy a few moments ago just before you all called in. But good. That's awesome. So uh, how is the family doing today? You know, it, it's quiet, and, you know, we, we certainly are missing our mother, but I tell you, it's, it's been peaceful, and we know that she's where she needs to be with our Father, and so with our Heavenly Father and our real Father. Yes. Well, I want you both to know, and you, you probably already do know this, but in case nobody has said this to you, Dorothy Crockett single-handedly has influenced thousands upon thousands of people in this state her her drive to educate people with about the conservative values that that made that party the foundation of of this state you know she she did that she mentored me hours upon hours upon hours and i've run into so many other people who i mean everybody calls her the mother of the republican party she's she's my other mother i i I thought she was just my other mother but i've come to find out she was the other mother for so many people and 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 I know that you all sacrificed, you know, for her to, to do that after you were grown. I know that when you were growing up, she was full force, full fledged mom. Right. Well, you know, we we just always think that there's a time and a season for everything. And when mm-hmm. mother went through the period of time after my father passed and did paid a lot of attention to all family issues and then really the Republican Party became another part of her family. And Jan, you were a part of that. We just love you for it. You know, mom and I were at your announcement party, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you announced that you were running uh, uh, in the party for uh, governor. And, and it was just an honor. And we, we just felt good about everything that mother was involved in. Sharon, do you have any comments? Oh, Jan, you know, she she loved Arkansas. Yes, she, she loved did. conservative values. And she loved you for what you stood for. And, uh, you know, mama, with Mama, there's a right and a wrong. And she wanted to do everything that was right. And she believed in what you stood for. And well, so, and I, I think I'm going to interject. She wanted, she liked right of right. And, Jan, that's what we love you for. That's well, thank right. you. Thank you, guys. Listen, our prayers and condolences uh, are with you and your family. Uh, thank you for including me in that family time and letting me spend some time with her before she died. I, I cannot tell you in the gift that she gave me and you know, the final words she spoke to me and I will never, ever, ever forget that. Well, she, she did truly love you, Jane. Well, okay. we, you're a sister in this family. We appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. So once again, and thank you for the Crockett's for calling thank you in. so much for calling. We appreciate it. So once again, I'm going to, I'm going to share with people the funeral arrangements for Mrs. Dorothy, uh, it is. Let me get make sure I get this right. Okay. So visitation and her funeral will be October 5th. That's a Saturday at the First Baptist Church in Osceola, Arkansas, 2900 West Kaiser Street. Visitation is from 12 to 2. The funeral 
is at 2 p.m. So uh, just wanted everybody to know about that. And, um, you know, her family, it was I got the call from them at two o'clock in the morning uh, on Saturday. They, they called sure me two, two o'clock in the morning and saying she's she's dying. You better come. And I and I said, please put her on the phone. And so they put the phone up to her ear and she started mumbling when I said, Dorothy, it's Jan. Hang on. I'm on my way it, because everybody in the family had already said their goodbyes to her. And they said, for, for some reason, she's still hanging on. And, and we think that that reason is you. She has something to say to you. So I, I flew, literally, I flew. I, I'm not going to talk about how fast I drive, but there's a police officer who knows. Because <laughs> I almost rear-ended him and I got stopped. And I ran flew through a stop sign and got stopped. But we dealt with that. But I did get there. And when I got there, she opened her eyes. And I said, Dorothy, it's Jan. And she opened her eyes and she said, I love you, Jan. And I said, I love you too, Dorothy. And I said, I want you to know that the Republican Party is going to be okay. You you have mentored so many of us. We're going to take care of things. Because I, I figured it's not Jan that she was waiting on. It was her party that she had worked so hard for. And she wanted to know that those of us on the far right that she has mentored are not going to drop the ball if she goes on to heaven. And, you know, it hadn't been but within my lifetime that those of you or us, if I may say so, mm-hmm. that are on the right right or the mm-hmm. far right we we used to just be in the middle yeah we, we you know when people when i say i'm on the far right what i mean is i'm over here with our founding fathers on the Amen. conservative principles and i i'm saying i i agree with the constitution the bill of Amen. rights and the republican party platform i mean if that's far right then that's who i am but i'm telling you that i i like the republican party platform i agree with everything on it and i support it and i'm just saying this is our platform i didn't write it the party did. So what, what's wrong with, with saying we need to adhere to this? That That's where I'm coming from. And that's where Dorothy comes from. And I think that's why she supported me. She was one of the first major players of the state RPA to actually step up to the plate and publicly endorse me. And I will never it, forget that. Well, it sounds to me like she had a very important part in the sea change that we've witnessed in the last few years. Here of course in she did. Because yeah. That didn't happen because she was bold enough to stand alive. up. Yeah. She was bold enough to stand up and say, "Hey, some of you guys are moving too far to the left. We need to get back here to the platform." Remember, I think this a, will be a good time for us to take our mid half hour break, so we'll be able to have plenty of time to continue the discussion when we get back. Okay. We're very grateful to our callers. We're especially grateful to the Crockett family and grateful for her contribution to conservatism and to American values that are still alive in the state today. Welcome back to Dave Ellswick's show. You've got Carl Kimball, Paul Calvert, and Jan Morgan, and we're having a lively afternoon of discussion, and uh, it's kind of wandered a little bit, but it's been in some important and worthwhile areas. Uh, I, I, Jan and I have just been going and blowing here, hadn't we? We were going to talk about Walmart. I know yes. Paul wanted to talk about Walmart, too, didn't mm-hmm. you, Paul? It is an Start interesting topic. Off. And so so we've, we've heard that Walmart has kind of... I guess the way I've heard it, I guess, is that Walmart has kind of gotten in bed with the Bloomberg. No, they didn't kind and, of. Uh, well, That's yeah. like saying you're sort of pregnant. Okay. You either are or you uh, okay, aren't. Okay, so, so, so they're, they're, they're bloated. Mm-hmm. Um, they swallowed a watermelon seed and they're uh, – okay, so, so they're, apparently they have, they, have, they have gotten in bed with the Bloomberg organization that is designed to um, promote – Infringements on our right to keep and bear arms. Uh, that that seems to me, how is that not a terrorist organization? 
I mean, I mean they, we were they talking about territories and earlier. Here, it's so here, obvious that's not, not the normal definition. This is in Gunpowder gun Magazine, okay? It says, in recent weeks, Walmart has called for a ban on so-called assault weapons. So this is much more than just saying, we, we're really asked that our, our customers not open carry, and we're also not going to sell ammunition. Cool. But that, let's also let's, ask, let's, but, let's support a ban on let, assault let's, weapons. Let's recognize what a ban on assault weapons is. That is, that is a call for violence against good people. It is. It is a call for it's violence. It's communist. But but also, in addition, this has come out since, which, you know, I was already boycotting Walmart. I have not been in there <laughs> since they came out with their ridiculous uh, request uh, that people not carry openly in their store. But then they came out with this. Walmart is a charter member of the Responsible Firearms Retailer Partnership, which was organized by Walmart and Every Town for Gun Safety. Every Town for Gun Safety is owned by Michael Bloomberg, the anti-gun radical who also owns Moms Demand Action. So so Walmart has been in bed with those anti-gun radical organizations for some time. It's a charter member. Uh, so they've come a long ways from Arkansas values back in Mr. Sam's day, hadn't they? Yeah, because that, Arkansas happens to be one of the most way. heavily armed states in America. So they've forgotten who their base is, and I think that the people of this state need to remind them. And I, I for one, am doing that because you will not see me in a Walmart store think, ever again. I think that's maybe kind of less chance of getting shot. That I think way. that's kind mm-hmm. of com- <laughs> I think that's kind of common. To, to when when some of these corporations get very very large, they mm-hmm. kind of lose their roots. Whereas whereas people that are literally business owners, they're actually personally invested. They're personally involved with their own customers and. So, I think they maybe have a greater tendency to be a little more in touch with reality. Well, this is what happens when corporations get so big that they start looking at numbers instead of people. When you start looking at your, your that market, happens when the bottom yeah, line hits the bottom line. Bucks, yeah, well, the bottom line, I think they're going to find out their bottom line is not coming from the elites that they are catering to right now, the anti-gun mm-hmm. radical re- mm-hmm. elites. Those people don't shop at Walmart. They shop at you know, uh, Neiman Marcus and, and Target and some of those other you know places, uh, but but the but the base of Walmart market is the gun owners. You know the, the, we're in a state one of the most heavily armed in America, and it was the gun owners and the, the the average citizens of America who who helped them achieve the financial greatness that they have. And I think that the people need to also uh, remind them of who their base of support was by doing what I'm doing, which is I'm not shopping there anymore. Yes, it's inconvenient, but I'm de- I'm I'm determined. To make a point, and you know, between my company, my business, my husband's company, and personally, we, we probably were spending close to five thousand dollars a month there. That's so a, they're losing. That's that. a lot of Walmart. They're losing. They're losing that. It's nothing compared. It's nothing when you look at the the billions of dollars that they make. But but if everybody took a stand, it adds up. It sure does. Okay, mm-hmm. if anybody wants to join the conversation, you can call us at 501-823-0965. We'd welcome your calls. We have one right now from North Little Rock. Brad, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. What have you got for us today? Well, you know, on, on the subject of corporations and, and getting involved in these policies and getting in, getting in bed with organizations like Bloomberg that, that are definitely pushing for infringements on our rights, um, I, I think it's worth discussing Citizens United and, and buying politicians that want to sell out our rights. You know, I, I'm just... You know that that's something that's got to stop. Couldn't agree with you more, Brad. So, so what's kind of bizarre though is that a corporation is not a person. Therefore, it doesn't really have, shouldn't really have the same rights as a person. But I think the idea that we even 
have the concept of a corporation being this new person that now exists that has its own rights, its own its own legal status. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of bizarre. Yeah. And, and so wh- wh- the the way you form a corporation is you go and and have a, a little affair with the government, and then this new baby that you have is <laughs> is, is sort of an Ill- illegitimate child. And Nick, we call Nick, it careful. Corpor- you're you're calling Carl Sylvania Incorporated <laughs> my illegitimate child <laughs> with the government. Right, well, I'm not sure well, I really like that. Right, and, so, and so anyway, that, that's kind the, of how the, we, that's how a corporation is yeah, formed. Yeah. That, that's the reproductive process. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not normal. It's not a normal. Um, I didn't have birds and bees one hundred and one dinner bought for me. That's for sure. Well, well maybe it's because you were the you, you weren't the. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, maybe I was the one that bought dinner. Right, and so the and, and you continue to buy the dinner oh. with with the state. And so the so the the thing is that a, a corporation having rights to speech is weird. It's well, kind of bizarre. The, 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 right, that, the, the existence of corporations and the rights to corporations, which you and I almost opened this can of worms the last time I was here, and that's a pretty deep subject. So it, before it, we it, get deep into right. that, let's let's see if Brad's got anything else for us. Brad, we kind of cut you off there. Go ahead. Have you got anything else? Yeah. I'm, I mean, that's. I think you hit the nail on the head with it. It's it's just a, it's it is a can of worms. It's not. It isn't. I've got to agree with Paul, and not to call your business illegitimate child. Of <laughs> he, he kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. Thank you for your time. But, Appreciate uh, your call on the Dave Ellswick show, Brad. Call us again sometime. Well, you know, Carl Sylvania Incorporated exists for one purpose and one purpose only. And that's to help me keep some of my right. money no, and, that and I, I go and out I and earn. I totally understand that, and I don't fault you for that. And, so, but the thing and is, Carl so, Sylvania doesn't exercise its rights uh, to free speech on a regular basis. Right. So, so, so I understand that. And that's kind of, kind of the, 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 the dumb thing is that government is so stupid that you, you almost are forced to, in, to, to have, a, have this affair with the government just in order to, to keep from being violated in extra hard ways. Yeah. Wait, go ahead, mm-hmm. Dan. Well, no, what I was going to say is, about a I know you're talking, but you're, someone said uh, on social media, well, Jan, the boycotting <clears throat> Walmart only hurts the employees because if they're, if but Walmart starts losing business, they'll lay off employees, they'll, people will lose their jobs. You can work for and, and, then it, and then it will be your fault because you call for a boycott. And my position is, no, it's not. Uh, the reason Walmart might have to lay off people and cut back because they're losing money is not because of anything I did, it's because of Walmart's corporate decision. They're the they're to blame. Yeah. Plus, for their I expect that business. you're spending that five thousand bucks somewhere, somewhere else. That's and, right. And they, they may have be to hire people. Business. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of <laughs> so, how it all works. Okay. Yes. Free market enterprise capitalism is a wonderful thing. Money talks. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Now, or, or as the immortal bard, that's Bard Dylan, said. Money doesn't talk; it swears. <laughs> oh yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> And well, we're going to have some we're going to have some money swearing at us uh. if I don't take a break in about thirty seconds here, I suppose. But but have you got anything you want to add in the last few waning seconds of this half hour, Paul? Well, I, I think it's just an interesting thing. Don't call my baby a bastard. <laughs> Hey, hey, it's just maybe it's a useful one, but the, the, to me only to, to you, and so I understand that. But the so I, I the, the callers idea is interesting. The 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 notion though that that. A, a non-human can engage in, in speech is kind of weird. But I still think we should be engaging in, in, in free speech, and I think it should be individuals, and I think p- individuals should be accountable for their actions. And, and not this kind of collective, quasi-governmental-type you know, system. It's, it's just 
The Dave Ellswick Show is all about free speech, but your free speech ends at the bottom of the hour. (laughs) Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show, named after Arkansas's greatest talk radio host. He's not here. You know, I tell you, if Jan doesn't come back pretty soon, I was seriously thinking about educating the younger generation by giving them a little quick run-through of Cheech and Chong's famous hit. (laughs) Open up. Man, it's me, Dave. I got the stuff. Uh, Dave? Yeah, man, it's me, Dave. Let me in. Uh, Dave's not here. Well, Dave's not here, but you got Carl Kimball and... Paul Calvert and Jan Morgan, and we've been having all kinds of fun talking about the news of the day and mm-hmm. and some of the sad stuff and some of the fun stuff, too. And uh, if you would like to join our conversation, we'd be delighted to have you call in to KDXE 101.1 FM, The Answer, by calling 501-823-0965, 501-823-0965. Give the Dave Ellswick Show a call. You may get to be one of the privileged few who get to talk to Jan Morgan. Uh-huh. I always wanted to. <laughs> well, you so, know what? And we've had Jan, calls from all over the busy. United States. Yes, I have. Very busy. But, uh, you know, before the break, we were talking about Walmart. I think, have we hashed that one to death enough? Have we, have we, are we finished with that subject? Because we need to move on to Kamala Harris. Did you I'm all hear? for it. Let's talk Let, about so that. We've been talking Tommy. about gun rights. Now we're going to move to your right to free speech because Kamala Harris mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. asked, publicly made the statement, and has asked that President Trump's Twitter account be removed. Shut because up, she shut, explained. Just shut down. Yeah, shut hmm. up, shut him down, just completely <laughs> remove his Twitter feed. In other words, she believes in free speech as long as your speech does not offend her. I wish every president was as open as Trump. I mean, yes. Trump may be a moron sometimes, but hey, I wish... Hey, no, wait a minute. Excuse I, me. I he said, is not a moron. I said Nobody gets I said some, to... I said sometimes. No, he's so, never... He, he, no, might, he might he's be. not a moron. So, he's never been a he moron. Says, he says some I, I, things I, that I, I think are pretty ill-advised well, sometimes. Yes, he does. But so on I, the other hand, I don't think we have to wonder what he's really thinking. But sometimes he says things knowing that it's going to create a backlash and, and so I that it will distract people from what he's really doing behind the scenes. I think you may be right. So I I think it might actually be very strategic more than what it appears because he, he yes. does kind of come off as a moron sometimes but I, I think it's quite possible that it's actually quite strategic but anyway regardless i wish every president <coughs> was that open I yeah, wish that president was, was – I wish every president – People love of, it. People love it. You know, sometimes people complain about his Twitter, and sometimes he says things. I'm just I'm like, oh, I wish he hadn't said it like that, or I wish he hadn't said – But look, the man is winning. We are winning. America is winning. And, the and only, wouldn't, the wouldn't biggest you, problems we have are because of Democrats right now. Wouldn't you really rather have the president – Tweet something that's a little bit dumb or in poor English or, or say presidential. as opposed to the president saying, tell Vladimir that after the election, I'll have more latitude to sell out the American people. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, people elected Donald Trump because they were ready for somebody besides a silver-tongued, lying career politician. Yeah, you know, He was an out. Look, the two top Republicans in the primary were who? Trump and Cruz. Cruz was a anti- The establishment didn't like Cruz. They, they no, couldn't they stand don't. him. So so it was down to Trump or Cruz, the, the outsiders. And, that, and the reason that happened is because the American people are sick and tired of politics as usual, and they were hoping, let's and, get somebody And, and, and the reason there. they elected him was to do something about people like Joe Biden going over to other exactly. countries and arranging big, fat, no-show jobs exactly. for their children. Exactly. We got 
Joe from Illinois wants okay. to join our conversation. Good. Nice to hear from Illinois, Joe. Where you at? Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I'm in Flossmore, Homewood Flossmore, right outside Chicago. Oh, bless your heart. At least far you're enough, outside of Chicago. Yeah, far enough to be outside yeah. of the uh, ricochet range, hopefully. <laughs> that was, that was yes, not nice. <laughs> so what did you but, want to um, tell us today? Uh, I want to say thanks for fighting a good fight and wish you would uh, come to Illinois and fight for us here because we don't have anybody doing the fighting for us. You know what? That is not true. I have actually been to Illinois, and the fact that you have gun rights there is because several years ago, do you remember when legislation passed, you actually won a, a court case uh that because the 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 people of illinois have been denied their right to carry guns and uh, i came i taught a pistol class there were 60 something people in the class and 100 percent of the proceeds went to pay for an organization called the uh illinois gun owners political action committee we raised money to help them pay for the legal battle which ensued and that legal battle got you your gun rights back so i I have been to illinois i've been there several times teaching pistol classes and i've been involved in your fight the problem is even though you got your gun rights you have so many businesses now that are still putting signs on the doors and people buy into that they believe that because a business has a sign on the door it's illegal for you to carry there and it's not it's against a business owner's policy Uh, joe right after i first got my concealed carry permit i was told that on if i took a trip like to ohio and i passed through illinois even if i stopped before crossing the state line took my pistol out unloaded it and put it in the bullets in the trunk i was still oh, you breaking such the a law. slave you were, mm-hmm. did you really did you do that no oh okay good, good. <laughs> of course not you did, you did I, figured in for, I figured as long as i was breaking the law anyway i may as well have it where <laughs> i could well reach it. it really good yeah but listen I, you know any we've been involved in the gun rights fight there in two a women my organization has a stat, has a chapter established in illinois and you're going to see more of them in the upcoming months fighting for you all right that's good news and you can join that organization even if you're a man just saying Oh, okay. Awesome. So go on go on Facebook and look for 2A Women slash Illinois and also join our national page, 2A Women. Okay? Definitely will. Thank you, and thanks for listening right. from Illinois. Yeah, Joe, we're glad to get your call. Got anything else you'd like to add before we let you go? Uh, well, I met Jan a couple of years ago on my way down to Texas. And Lucky she guy. And like a member of the family. It was a really pleasant experience. I visited the gun cave. Well, that's, oh, that's, wow. Cool. That, that's how that's all awesome. the women are in the South. Didn't you know that? <laughs> You've been spending too much time in Illinois, Joe. <laughs> I got a really good selfie, and I got a picture of the doormat, the Kaepernick doormat on the way in. That's that's the main reason I wanted to go there, one of the reasons. Anyway, oh, you got a Kaepernick Yeah, doormat. Colin Kaepernick's jersey is the doormat at my range, yes. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, well thank you. Hey, you need to post a picture of that in this thread on Facebook, okay? Please do that so I'll, I'll remember who I'm talking to here so I see who I'm talking to. I will. Thank you. Joe, we appreciate you a lot. Thanks a lot for calling the Dave Ellswick Show on KDXC 101.1 FM, The Answer. You can call us, too, 501-823-0965. So, Jan, tell me again, how, you got the law changed in Illinois? 
Well, I didn't personally, but I helped raise money by holding that pistol class. And then they also yeah. did a meet and greet event and, and, where people and, paid to come in to do the meet and greet. And, so and all that money, 100% of the proceeds went to the pay for the legal fight that ensued in Illinois to get their gun rights back. So the next time I'm driving through Illinois, that means I'm not breaking the law if I've got my pistol with me? That's exactly right. Oh. You know, a lot of people don't realize this, but federal law There goes my sense of adventure when I'm driving through Illinois. Federal law requires that every state in America allow you a way to transport a firearm through that state. It's just that different states can have different methods of how you can transport it. So my deal is I tell everybody, get concealed carry insurance so that regardless of what happens, you've got a lawyer on standby you know, that can take care of well, you if you get yourself in a pickle. And don't get caught. And let's caught. see, what was it? The, was, okay. that, was that woman from Tennessee that was visiting Ground Zero and saw the sign that said no firearms allowed and went up to the policeman and asked if, if he would hold her firearm or what she had to do? And they arrested her? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's bad. Don't volunteer information. And, and, if somebody and there wants was, to search, and there was, a, and there was this poor single mother from, from uh, I think, the Philadelphia area who was in New Jersey and ended up facing serious jail time yeah, the, the, because those, she was those government officials her. should and, be arrested. And, and, and she'd have been perfectly legal on the Pennsylvania right. side, and, and, and but so because that, she crossed an, into New example, Jersey. I think that's an example where maybe the Fed should step in and be arresting these local, local cops <coughs> who are enforcing these ter- terrible laws. That's terrible. You should not have to be worried, worried about well, getting arrested. Well, just so you know. Let's keep everybody posted here. I have sent an email to the police chief in Marion, Arkansas, who allegedly said at a church meeting uh, in front of a number of people that if anyone in Arkansas in his city was seen open carrying, he would arrest them. Now, so that is in have, conflict with the state law. So do we need to have an open carry walk Yeah, we need to have there? an open carry walk in Marion. But uh, I sent him an email and asked him, told him I would like to speak with him. Now, mm-hmm. he's yet to respond to it, so I may have to call. I actually did call. may have to call again. may have to go up there. I don't know what I'm going to have to do here, but I thought about it as I was pe- coming from Osceola back to Hot Springs uh, yesterday. I, I passed through Marion. If I hadn't been on such a tight schedule, I would have stopped uh, to pay him a visit. Yeah. But but you, you stay tuned on that one. You know, I think it's really interesting that in the United States, those parts of the United States that have the most, I start to say liberal gun laws, but that would be misunderstood, the most unrestrictive gun laws, I should say, are the ones that have the least crime. And those parts of the United States that have the most restrictive gun laws, i.e. Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, there are some of the places that have the absolute worst gun crime. If there's mm-hmm. any proof needed that gun laws don't work, Chicago has got to be the, the glowing example. example of yes. it. And poor Joe, I mean, he's sounded like a really nice guy. Certainly sounded like a fan of yours, so he has mm-hmm. something on the ball, I'm <laughs> sure. But but poor Joe, there he's living in a state that the that the government is very very antithetical towards our Second Amendment so rights. So the same thing in California and New York. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 these are areas that have problems. Yeah, you know, I was involved in the. I've been in twenty five <clears throat> states on gun rights battles. Mm-hmm. Okay, they they flew me to Albany, New York, the day the Safe Act was voted on, and there were over nine thousand people in that crowd when I spoke. It wow. was just a sea of people there to protest. They were hoping it was right outside the Capitol. They were hoping to raise enough of a stink that the Safe Act would not pass. But the problem is, is the votes were already in. There were already enough votes to pass it before it ever came to the table, which is often the case, Paul, as you know with legislation and state governments. But, uh, you know, I told the people that day, I said, look, you're like in the fourth quarter of a ball game and you're you're 70 points behind. It's a little late 
to be mm-hmm. where were you when these people behind me in the state capitol where were you on election day when when those people were elected you know you have to you can't wait until a gun rights issue is in your legislature to start letting your legislators know that uh look are you going to support the Constitution or not? That's the sort of thing you say when somebody's running for office and asking for your vote. You have to vet these people, and then you have to stay on top of them. You can't wait until the votes are already in and, and the you know the decision is made. Uh, and by the time these votes get to committees, even before they're on the floor, when they're they're already decided, and you know that, the well, votes are already cases, in before the committees. Right. Yeah, they don't so, even put something uh, out unless uh, they have the votes. I mean, so, so you can go down and testify in committees. Sometimes it might make a little bit of difference, but in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. the vote's already counted. Sure. I gotta so, confess, Jan, I'd have been a lot nicer to you if I'd known how famous you were. <laughs> Not famous. I've just been around a long time, especially in the two A front. I've been in that battle for a long time. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you. To the Constitution. You know what? What I'm noticing, and I will say this, because people want to get behind the NRA, and of course, I'm not a member. I've, I, have, I suspended my membership to the NRA because of the compromises they were constantly making. I support Gun Owners of America, the Second Amendment Foundation, National Association for Gun Rights, and some of those organizations that have not compromised. But, but here's the deal: the most progress that's been made on the two A front, state by state, has 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 occurred as a result of state grassroots organizations the people of oklahoma didn't get constitutional care because of the nra the nra was silent in action missing in action it was the 2a oklahoma organization that got that that made that happen for their citizens it was patriots of act 746 organization in arkansas that has made all the progress on the 2a front in our state government uh, and in arizona it's the citizens defense league uh so there their state each state has its own little grassroots organizations and those are the people who live among these legislators who stay on the backs of these legislators and that's how progress is made not by you know throwing your money to some national organization that's turning around and spending millions for the ceo to live lavishly okay let's get in our break now so we got a little bit more time after it because i want to come back john from russellville please stay on the line we'll be right back and you'll be first up you're listening to the dave ellswick show you've got carl kimball paul calvert and jan morgan and dave's absence here and we're about to welcome to the line john from russellville john thank you so much for your patience sitting through the break tell us what you got on your mind well, it's good to talk to y'all. It's, it's an honor to talk to Jan. Uh, Always. I campaigned for, and I, I voted for, and I got everybody I could to vote for. It's just a sad thing that uh, money and ASA won out. Oh, well, but, thank you so much, though. I appreciate that. Love you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Jan, my question is, what do you do when you have somebody like Tom Cotton that talks to be a conservative Republican, and then you elect him, and he turns out to be a liberal Democrat that says every state should have a red flag law, and the federal government will fund it. You know, uh, you do what what I've asked people to do, which is let legislators know that you do not like it when they take a stand that is against the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. All you can do is let them know and then educate other people. Uh, Perhaps if there's enough pressure from him, he will understand and will change his position about sending financial incentive to the state of Arkansas to to suggest our legislators to pass red flag. Because the last time the federal government sent money to Arkansas to pass legislation, we got Obamacare. Well, there's that. We've John, got seatbelt laws. We've got we've got all kinds of garbage that should not exist. And, and, and that that 
basically, from what I understand, the federal government is bribing the state of Arkansas to pass stupid laws. Right. And, and the state of Arkansas is dumb enough to do it. Yeah, right. well. John, you still got you on the line there. Let me ask you something. You, you, you said that, that Tom Cotton turned out to be a liberal Democrat. Would you rather have Blanche Lincoln or Mark Pryor back? <laughs> I, I, I definitely wouldn't. But to tell you the truth, uh, I would almost rather have a person that tells me he's going to do me wrong than to have a person that's telling me he's going to do wrong, well, in do other words, right, and then turn around and lie to me and mm-hmm. and do stab me in the back. So what you're you saying what? is you'd rather you have a that. wolf that's 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 got long hair and 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 big teeth. Well, well here, I'd rather have somebody that tells me the truth. Yeah, here, well, here's Wouldn't the we thing, all? and I've heard this from a lot of gun owners. You know, gun owners are very dogmatic about the Second Amendment, and you, the worst thing you can do is lie to them. So mm-hmm. their position is, and I think I'm hearing this from 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 our caller, is that if you, yeah. you know, I'd rather have somebody that tells me who they are than somebody that lies about who they are. And so one Democrat's just as bad as another, and he just called our senator a Democrat. And so what's the point? Why you want a Democrat's going to tell you that up front I'm a Democrat? Are you going to have a Democrat that's going to tell you that they're not? I think we're all pretty sick and tired of liars by now. Yes, we are. John, thank you so much for calling. We appreciate your holding on. Appreciate your being part of the Dave Ellswick Show. Tim's calling all the way from Indiana. Tim, tell us what's on your mind. I dropped him. Oh, no. You pushed the wrong button. Tim. Maybe he'll call back. Tim, are you there? Yes. All right. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry for my wrong button pushing there, whatever. No, that, that, that's okay. Just a, This is a follow-up to a call-in I did back on July 19th. Uh, this had to do when you guys and Jan were talking about the Second Amendment and the challenging by, I think, your attorney general, and I had posed a question, and then you guys had suggested I write the attorney general. Uh, we have land there, but I've been living in Indiana near Purdue University for the last several years, so I'm still following Arkansas <coughs> politics closely. So two-part question. First of all, a statement rather. First of all, is I wrote them over two and a half months ago, the same within minutes of hanging it from the phone call from you guys. I confirmed they got the email, but I have yet to hear anything other than a form letter reply within an hour of sending it. It's probably computer generated. It basically said they're going to put some staff on it. Uh, I'm surprised even with the government, two and a half months later, I've heard absolutely nothing. So remind uh, us, I I remind us what the question was or what, what your, what your well, issue the, was. My with. question was, how is it that the, the Attorney General of Arkansas was not challenging the the fact that uh, you guys were being forced to, in a constitutional carry state, to file for licenses to get, you know, like here in Indiana, my wife and I have lifetime carry permits. And I well, need well, a question to... Well, we, we weren't being forced, but I think I think part of the problem was the state police were lying to people about mm-hmm. about whether or not they needed it, and it was and it was kind of pointed out. And the, there was actually a, a, ma- a man over in Searcy who was um, basically assaulted by a state tr- state police officer, and they didn't arrest the officer for assaulting this man. They actually arrested um, the man who he assaulted, or put out a, got a, got a warrant for his arrest, and uh, he was found innocent and. And they still wouldn't give him his concealed carry permit back. The state police is a terrorist organization, or a terrible organization that is a that is an anti-gun rights. They should be um, kicked out of office. They should probably be. 
I don't know what you what well, let me, you, what can would I update what you, you say about since it, you but. since you sent your letter, regardless of what the AG's office has or has not responded, uh, since your letter, we, there was a committee meeting, a commission meeting, and the state police were called in about some issues that uh, that we had complained about regarding the way they're enforcing uh, gun laws in Arkansas, and basically, I mean, you can go look at the video. The Lieutenant Colonel Bryant basically told legislators. Uh, he didn't care about what the law says. Uh, as far as they were concerned, Arkansas citizens must have a license to carry a gun if you're going to carry concealed. That's their position. And they said, unless you change the law, that's the way we view the law. They don't care about how the what the governor says. They don't care about what the legislature says. This is after our legislature passed two resolutions that clarified that we are a constitutional carry state based on Arkansas State Constitution, Article 2, Sections 5 and 29, and that that means, they even defined, it means you can carry a gun open or concealed without a license. In spite of that, our state police colonel said in a public meeting on the microphone that the way they view the law, the way their agency views the law, that people have to have a license to carry concealed, and that's the way they view it, and that's the way they're going to do well, it. That, that goes directly to the reason why I wrote the letter. Why My question on the phone that day was, why is not the Attorney General, who's the top law enforcement official of the state, not challenging Lieutenant Colonel? Why isn't this being done? That was my question, and that's why I wrote the letter. I just wanted to let you know I haven't heard back. That's a good question, and we've been asking that for yeah. We've been asking that question for years, and we would like to we would like to know that answer. The late Senator Linda Collins Smith for your call. We're starting to get a little bit of distortion in the Mm -hmm. phones. I'm going to let you go, but thank you so much for calling us. The state, the the late Senator Linda Collins Smith, sent a formal letter to the Attorney General asking for clarification, and it took what almost a year to get it. Uh, and it still didn't really answer the question. Paul, I think you got shorted this hour. You got no, anything okay. you want to throw in the last uh, few seconds? Uh, well, I, 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 I kind of feel some of his same issues with the with the attorney general not being as forthcoming as I would like for her to be as far as coming out and speaking in favor of our rights and actually speaking what the law actually says as opposed to kind of We can't manage the waters, to get the top law enforcement officer in the entire state to defend our rights under the law what can we do and of course we always welcome her to call in or come in the studio and and, sh- and, talk and with you're us. listening to the yeah. dave ellswick show Welcome back. You're listening to the talk radio show named for Arkansas best talk radio host, Dave Ellswick. He is a legend in his own time. In his own mind as well. You know you're big time when you have a song that's got your name in it. (laughs) Well, unfortunately for you, Dave's not here. You got Carl Kimball. And fortunately for you, you've got Paul Calvert. We've got almost all the power panel here today. And Jan Morgan. We're delighted to have you with us today. And uh, we're going to veer off to a slightly different topic now, but one perhaps somewhat related. Uh, If you got your Democrat Gazette on the B page, Mm -hmm. this was something big. The jury in Dallas was 
deciding the fate of Amber Geiger, the former Dallas police officer who says that she accidentally went into the wrong guy's apartment thinking it was her own and mm-hmm. shot him dead. Uh, since this headline came out, the jury has come back with a verdict guilty of, of murder. murder. And we're yeah. going to invite you to join the conversation with us today. The number is 501 Before I throw it over to Paul Calvert for the first comment of the hour from the panel, I'm going to see what we have here from Arizona. Debbie is calling all the way from one of my favorite parts of the country, the Southwest. Debbie, thank you for calling the Dave Ellswick Show today. Thank you. I absolutely agree with that verdict. There is no way you can in in any way tell me that she walked into the wrong apartment. It does sound awful fishy, doesn't it? it oh, it, absolutely. If, if, if her best defense is true, she must have been either incredibly stupid or incredibly intoxicated to have made so horrible a mistake. Well, and once she got into the apartment, how could she not know it wasn't hers? I tell you, I never have walked in the front door of a house that was not my own and said, gee, this must be my house. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's sad. It's very sad. And when I got when I got out of the car just before coming on this show, they were in the the uh, sentencing phase of her trial. And of course, she was crying and crying and crying because she had just been found guilty well, of murder. If I were her, I'd be crying, too. Yeah, well, you know, the, the problem is, uh, of course, she's crying. Uh, her but, life but is ruined. Her life is ruined, but, but she's still dead. But she still has her life. I'm sorry, Debbie. Go ahead. She knew she was going to be found guilty. Yeah, it's a pretty foregone conclusion. You can't just let somebody, anybody, not just a policeman. You can't let anybody walk into someone else's house and shoot them dead and say, mm-hmm. oh, my bad, it was a mistake, and, and and that makes up for it in in any way. You know, and this case has an Arkansas tie. Uh, you were telling me before the break that the, mm-hmm. the gentleman that she murdered was actually a graduate of Harding University. Uh, yes, his name was, uh, I'm going to look at it because it's a little unusual, Botham Jean was the gentleman's name, and he was a graduate of Harding. And from all accounts, he was a good guy. You know, you hear the different stories about what he was doing. He was a, he was a productive citizen, a good a good guy who just not a thing that you could sitting say in his about own apartment, him. watching TV. But she had problems with him. Do you know anything about that, Debbie? I've not heard. Personal. Did they have a, Did they have a previous just, relationship that you know of? Well, no. It just seemed like she had racial problems. That's what it, watching watching the trial to me it just seemed like she she had well she a was not charged with, with the hate crime though there was no yeah I, I don't no. I don't have anything that I could hang my hat on to agree with that I'm afraid Debbie but but we don't know what was in her heart we just know what was in her hand and it was her uh, you know police revolver let everyone know I am white so I don't want anyone to think that you know I'm a person of color coloring calling in and, and accusing a white person of, of being a racist. I am white myself. But getting back to the guns, um, the Democrats are purposely trying to take the guns away to help allow all of these immigrants into the U.S. If you look at the other countries, like I was saying before, you know, they did look at the other countries before they took the guns away from Chicago and what mm-hmm. have you. They know what happens in a country when they take the guns away. Well, the people and of England were disarmed, and of course they've been 
run over by trucks and stabbed and Actually, world history has proven what happens to people when they let their governments disarm them. In the 20th century, over 170 million people have been annihilated by their own governments after being disarmed. And in every instance, the process from liberty to tyranny to annihilation was always the same. The process started with registration of firearms, then it led to confiscation of firearms, and then annihilation of mass numbers of people who dared to disagree publicly with tyrannical government. That's a historical fact. And I challenge you to look at the documentary Rampant, excuse me, not Rampant Justice, that was my documentary uh the the documentary innocence betrayed it is the history of gun control world history that's a good point exactly. want to talk You're more about that absolutely right debbie have but you got england anything else you'd like to add england has also proved mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter if you take the guns away if they want to kill someone they're going to find a way to do it whether it's with a vehicle with the knife whatever they're going to find a way to do it so I think you're right. It doesn't matter then. if you take away our guns. They're going to find a way to mass kill people if they want to mass kill people. Thank you so much for calling the Dave Ellswick Show, Debbie. We're grateful for your contribution and glad that you're listening out there in Arizona. Uh, and Debbie, if you haven't, if this, you aren't aware, just you might want to think about uh, joining the <clears throat> Citizens Defense League. That is the most powerful uh, gun rights lobby in your state, more so than the NRA. And this is one of the things that has just tears me up about about the Democrat Party and, and the candidates that they put forward. They, they're, they've gotten brazen about calling themselves socialists and calling for socialism. Well, and, and, and we know that what Jan was just talking about, that is the road of socialism. It is the road from freedom to slavery. There is it's gun diffi- confiscation is a step along the way. It's difficult to enslave people who are armed. It is indeed, and and that's one reason that the United States has not been uh, invaded in as long as yeah, it has. I, We'd I, be a tough nut to crack. I, I think it's a. I think the fact that there are hundreds of millions of guns by, owned by private citizens is a pretty strong deterrent to in, to hardcore invasion. Can the Democrats have contributed greatly, thank you, to people buying multiple <laughs> firearms? Every time the Democrats start talking about guns and eliminating our rights, more people go out and buy firearms. Now, so thanks for that. Yeah. Now, I, I think that Paul had wanted to talk earlier about Kamala Harris, didn't you? Uh, no, that was that was in reference more with the free speech than with the guns. But all of them want to take our guns away. And and that's that's a just part of the party platform. You go right down the line from Joe Biden all the way down to Tulsi Gabbard. I, I don't think you'll find a non-gun grabber in the whole bunch. In that bunch, but we do have some pro-gun uh, Democrats in the Arkansas legislature. I, I will just tell you there are a few, but they, but they have fought they have fought with Republicans and supported and voted for our gun rights. So I don't want to just throw them all. Well, no, you know. I'm not saying that yeah. that's not true, but they're out of step with the National Party because the National Party is going far off the deep end left. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the, uh, what happens when you get socialism is you get, your, you get your ability to have self-defense taken away from you. Then you get your freedom of speech taken away from you. Then you get your freedom of religion taken away from you. Because, and then eventually you get your life taken away from you because the, the philosophy the Democratic Party is following is going to result in our enslavement and our well, subjection and, and to think, tyranny, and I, just like Venezuela, just like Cuba, just like the Soviet Union. That's where socialism leads. And if Bernie Sanders is so naive as not to realize that, he's as dumb as he looks. 
Well, and the thing is that, that, that I think this is kind of the part of the philosophy of, of the, the idea of collective rights or collective responsibilities. I'm sorry, we don't have collective rights or necessarily even collective responsibilities. We have individual rights and we have individual responsibilities. In so many cases, we, we want to say that, well, this is the job of the government and it's wrong if individuals do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of to the point where, you know what, if it's okay for the government to do it, how did it ever become okay if it wasn't okay for for individuals to delegate that authority to the government? I mean, the the notion of government in a free society is one where individuals delegate power to the government. We can't give power to the government if it was wrong for us to do it in the first place. That that's that's kind of the notion of a free society is that we hire government to do good things for us. In other so words, you're saying you, you theft is not moral even if the no, government no, passes not. a law saying absolutely, it's moral? Absolutely not. But, but there are, there are some, some aspects that, that – there are some things that government does that would actually be perfectly okay for individuals to do, such as the notion of eminent domain. You know, if, if there is a – if there is someone drowning – I hate eminent domain. I generally do as well. But the thing is, if, if, there's, a, if there's an imminent emergency, if you will – I will take someone else's property and use it to save someone's life. And if I need to, that we'll need to pay that person for their property. That, doesn't, that person shouldn't just have to just eat the loss. But the fact is that, that um, if there was a, a group of people where there was no real government in place and there was a major enemy coming up on the shore to attack them and that, that part of the shore happened to be owned by one particular family – you know, it's not terribly unreasonable. So, you know, we're going to put our we're going to put up our, our our battlements right here on this person's property, even whether or not they agree, and but we'll still pay them. Well, yeah, it's the king of hypotheticals. There, there, know, there, just, just look at Paul when and, you need a so, hypothetical so the, situation. So, so, but, there is a lot of precedent so you, for what you're so you, saying. So you establish principles that way, and, and so that's kind of where we go. And, and when we don't actually understand the, the principles and the foundations of what we're dealing with. Lots of crazy things sound reasonable. Well, if you don't know if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. You're doomed to repeat the mistakes of history, and that's why the Democrats have taken over our public school systems in many cases, and they do not want kids educated about how we became public what we are today. Okay, when you start effective. talking about the lessons of history, you're on my turf. But rather than use up the rest of the half hour pontificating, we're going to take our break now, so you folks have more time to talk when we get back. Oh, would that Dave were back. But hey. tomorrow, tomorrow Dave should be back. Dave is not here, but he just sent a text message, and he wanted us to share this. And I think the reason he sent it is because you've got your governor of Arkansas and your lieutenant governor on two different positions on this issue of whether or not the investigation. You remember the article just recently where Governor Hutchinson said that he felt that this this thing with Trump needed to be looked into? And yes. Yeah, they, they, yes. a bunch of people got mad. Well, the lieutenant governor made this statement, according to Dave Ellswick, and he passed this on uh, according to lieutenant governor tim griffin he said i have seen nothing that even comes close to justifying impeachment but speaker pelosi and the democrats won't let that stop them they have been searching for an excuse to impeach president trump since the 2016 election that's you lieutenant governor that, tim griffin so you know that's true yeah, but, so, but but, but you, don't you know that our governor asa hutchinson right, right there but you know that that asa hutchinson is one of only three republican governors in america who took this position that, that was we very should, we should look into president trump's so, yeah, yeah and the other two Republican governors who felt that we needed to look into this were Republican governors of Democrat states, solid they, blue they were, states. They were New England states, were they not? You know, I now, just don't understand. A under, New I, England I, Republican I, is to the left of an Arkansas Democrat. 
In so, I was in just disappointed cases, that the governor felt that we needed to waste time looking into this issue yeah, with the I president. Agree. I, I, I just, agree. What we need to be looking into is that inestimably corrupt former vice president who travels around the world getting massively profitable no-show jobs for his kids and threatens foreign governments with withholding American funds if anybody looks into the corruption that's benefiting his family. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what, you know, that's the reason that a lot of people voted for Trump was because they wanted him to go down there and drain the swamp. Well, Mm -hmm. I tell you, there's hardly a worse swamp rat than Joe Biden, and he needs to be drained. And Mm -hmm. if, if my president wants to ask anybody in this whole wide world to help him get rid of the corruption exemplified by Joe Biden, I'm all for him. Me too. Me too. Did we get too far from eminent domain for no, you to pick up where no, you left no, off? No, no. <laughs> so, so we were talking about eminent domain earlier, and another, another issue is kind of related to that is property taxes. Yes. I, you know, as a landlord, I pay a lot of property taxes, mm-hmm. but that's you not do. the only reason why I'm opposed to it. I think a lot of people dislike property taxes, kind of simply for the fact that you never can own your property. You're always paying yeah. rent yeah. to the government, and Tell if you me about if it. you quit paying this rent to the government, they'll come. Come and take your property away from them. They'll yep. come, men, 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 with, men with guns, guns will come and take what you own right. because not you only, don't really in, own in, it. In Arkansas, it's even worse. It's even worse than that, Paul, because not only do you not own your own property, your real estate, right. you it's, also don't own your own personal property. That's what I'm dealing with, property right, property tax issues. It's both of those things that we needed to address. Can you imagine? I, I would like to find somebody who's willing to spearhead an effort to get a petition drive. Going. Okay, well, we're going to have a, another half hour left pretty soon to talk about that further. But before we get to the bottom of the hour break, I want to bring in Dave from my hometown, Little Rock, Arkansas, uh-huh. and see what he wants to add to the conversation. Dave, have I got you there? Oh, yeah. I've, I've been uh, listening, traveling, and uh, in and out of the car, but uh, three things. Uh can you say rhino with, with uh, in, in reference to our governor? That's why I voted for Jan Morgan. That's why I ran. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and I appreciate that. And also, did you uh, take note that uh, the the legislature managed to increase our gasoline tax, which is also very high? Mm-hmm. Uh, I warned people about that. And, That's one of the reasons I ran. I told them that the governor was going to come at them with a $217 million gas tax hike. And my gosh, not only did he do that, he did more than that. And you poor Prius drivers are getting an extra $100 hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And one final thing, uh, you were talking about uh, terrorist uh, training camps. Well, you know, uh, this might not be politically correct, but everywhere that you have Muslim schools and and mm. all of those people nationwide, those people are pre, uh, are preaching hate to the Americans, and they their children don't even go to school. It's in uh, the book. Yeah, and uh, the, so all they want to do is is subjugate us or kill us, uh, or both. So it's anyway, what their profit commands. Uh, well, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that, uh, that was another issue, and I'm glad you brought that up. That was another issue in the governor's <clears throat> race because I brought up the fact that our legislature, at the advice of the National Security Policy Center, they had us all states to pass legislation prohibiting 
foreign law in your courtrooms in your state because we'd already had 50 court cases around America where uh, judges had allowed Sharia law to trump constitutional law in cases involving Muslims. So the National Security Policy Center suggested all states pass legislation. Arkansas legislators stepped up to the plate. They passed the legislation prohibiting foreign law in our courtrooms, and our governor to this day has refused to sign it. It went into law without his signature. And when I brought this up on the campaign trail, his argument was, well, he hadn't seen Sharia show up in any uh, courtrooms in Arkansas. Thank my, God. my response was... Do you get a flu shot before you get the flu or after you get the flu? The fact that the National Security Policy Center felt that this was necessary legislation was enough for me. Well, yeah, this, that, of course, amounts to a weasel. So anyway, that's that's my thoughts. All right, Dave. Appreciate thank it. you for calling the Dave Ellswick Show. We appreciate having you in the audience. And uh, I've got to say, I find I find it extremely troubling that we have all these terrorists training camps. How many have we got in Arkansas, Jan? Well, I, I don't think there are any in Arkansas. None I think the closest one is Oklahoma. None that I know of. The Christian Action Network actually did the documentary. But if you, you can go and watch. Uh, go to YouTube and type in uh, Islamic training, terrorist training camps in America, and you will find the, the documentary by Christian Action Network on Fox News on the Hannity Show, where they actually showed how they had infiltrated these camps. And, you know, that you, if you're not a Muslim, you're not allowed to go into those facilities and they had managed to infiltrate them enough to see what was being taught a lot of firearms training and that sort of thing but you know the the, the national media didn't want to talk about that I'm i got a lot i'd like to say on it but yeah. i'm going to give the last 30 seconds to my buddy paul there paul you got something you want to add um uh, what happens to 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 us if we try to um organize and and promote gun rights and and rebels you know, at some point, we, we might be t- called a terrorist organization for promoting actual constitutional government. And we'll pick we that have- up after the bottom of the hour break. Thanks for listening to the Dave Ellswick Show on KDXC. Okay, welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show with Carl Kimball. We got our last half hour with the panel, and much as I love them, I, I'm going to claim the first rant for myself this half hour <laughs> okay. because because they have led right into my field here, medieval history. <laughs> you know, these, okay. these folks wanted to talk about Islam. I have studied Islam because I have studied medieval European history. That is mm-hmm. the font of our civilization. It had lots of problems, but where our culture came from was from Northern Europe, from European civilization. European civilization arose out of the combination of the crumbling Roman Empire, the invading German tribes, and the remaining influence of the Catholic Church. That was the genesis of our civilization. The genesis of Islamic civilization, of course, came from the teachings and uh, writings attributed to the so-called prophet Muhammad. Now, from the time that the forces of Islam came boiling out of the Arabian Peninsula in 636 AD from the Battle of the River Yarmouk, which led to the collapse of Byzantine power in Asia, all the way up to the Second Siege of Vienna in 1683, the Muslim civilization spent over a thousand years trying to destroy our civilization, enslave our ancestors, and force them at sword point to accept the supremacy of Islam. 
Why, you might ask, did they stop after 1683? They didn't. Well, there was a pause. Mm-hmm. There was about a 400-year pause in their attempt to destroy our civilization. And do you know why that came about? It came about because we gave them an almighty ass-kicking. We defeated, With the Crusades. We, well, no, no. The Crusades, actually went, the Crusades actually went to them. Crusades, generally speaking, the classical Crusades are considered to have been from uh, around 1099 to uh, 1291. You know, in that period, the seven classical Crusades. And they ended up, although they started well enough, but then they ended up, everything they gained, they lost. But, but after 1683, the Siege of Vienna, the forces of Western civilization moved forward because our technological superiority over them became overwhelmingly high. We used our brains and the ingenuity that is only available to free men to develop the ability to kick their asses. And we kicked their asses out of Europe because they they had about a quarter of Europe mm-hmm. under their domination right. during much of of the medieval and early modern period. Uh, it was only in the early 20th century that the Ottoman Turks were mostly expelled from Europe, although they're still in Thrace. But we wiped them out. We we could have destroyed their countries even worse than we did. Large parts of the Islamic world came under complete Western domination. Now, this is considered a bad thing now, all that colonialism. But the truth is that the reason that for about 400 years, well, let's see, about, no, it's actually more like 350 years or so, 350, 375 years, they were out of the trying to wipe out our civilization business because we were too strong and they were too weak. Now, are we not still strong? Are they not still Political weak? correctness has destroyed, the, the, uh, has destroyed us on the battlefront. And now you put your finger on the biggest problem that we have in the culture war against mm-hmm. Islam. Because you're right, the tenets of their religion require that they expand the area in which mm-hmm. Sharia law exists. And and you were also right during the break, as we were talking, Islam is not just a religion. It's a theocracy. Well, well that's part of it. It's a the, and the theocracy is the political part. Mm-hmm. Politics, economics, and religion are all encompassed in Islam under the theory that the great Prophet Muhammad was the perfect man and gave them the perfect law under which they must but live. But he was not a perfect man. He of was a documented mass murderer and pedophile. Well, well, you know, you can start out with, you can start out with Gigolo because that's how he got his first fortune was by marrying an older wealthy woman. And then later he was a brigand, a leader of, of a band of thieves, essentially. Later he was later he was a child molester, yes. And he was also a murderer by his own hand. That's how he began his religion. Was it like a, when almost, he, a, almost a when perfect he, politician yeah, for some well, of these big re, cities here in America. When he recaptured his hometown of Mecca, he personally put his enemies, including the Jews, to death with his own hand. So that's, that's where it comes from. But it, it, it was a system that if you follow it, 
Its religion says you have to have this economic system, and if you follow it, you have to have this political system. Mm -hmm. So if you are a true follower of Islam and you truly believe that the Prophet Muhammad's uh, writings as passed down in the Koran are God's word and you are bound by duty to follow it, it means you are bound by duty to destroy our civilization and give anyone that's not killed in the process one of three choices. They can convert to Islam. They can accept second-class citizenship with extra taxes, Mm -hmm. or they can be put to the sword. This is the choice that Mohammed, uh, excuse me, that Osama bin bin Laden gave this choice to George W. Bush about 10 years or so ago. Uh, Yeah, it was a little over 10 years ago now. But yeah, Osama bin Laden was following the dictates of Muhammad. As, as, mm-hmm. I like to, as I like to put it, when Charlemagne baptized the Saxons at sword point in the River Elbe in 768 A.D. It might not have been very was, effective. Well, he was, no, it was not. In fact, they kept, every time that they would take the swords away and go back to, to, to their main area, the Saxons would rebel again. So, no, it didn't work. And, and my point is that when Charlemagne did this, he was not following Jesus Christ's example. Anybody who thinks that they're going to win converts for Christ or spread Christianity by using the sword are not following the example uh, and, and, of Jesus and, Christ. And unfortunately, the, the, there's a lot of history of that. Oh, going there on. is, and, 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 and is it? It's probably not any better than than what the Muslims were doing. And unfortunately, that. But, but the thing is, is that that uh, the Christian religion, the Pope has sanctioned wars of religion. But Jesus Christ never did, and and that's and, and that's part of the thing is that we, we, you look at throughout history, Europeans have have had some pretty atrocious things that they've done. Oh, no and doubt about and it. And it's it's a mess. We, we, well, you know, we could talk about history all day, but I'm you know I I want to focus on the present, and that yeah, is and, the, the things that they are doing right now. For example, insisting on their own court systems. And, they're not going to live by our constitutional yeah. laws. They they want their own courts. You look at what's happening in Irving, Texas. They want their own court system so that if you are a follower of Islam, you don't have to go through America's court yeah, system well, they want because they have their own laws. Sharia law allows you to do things that are illegal in America, and, like rape your wife, like mutilate uh, the genitals instance, of little girls to protect their their, their virginity, like uh, uh, the murder of gay people. Because and, and this is not something that is that is in any way unique or new to the United States, because in France, there are vast tracts of France that have been settled by North African Muslims mm-hmm. where the French police will not, not go, go. Exactly. and where French law is not followed, where the people live under Sharia. In England, uh, there are places in England where primarily Pakistani populations will stop, kidnap, and rape twelve-year-old white girl, English girls. Mm. They'll they'll seize them and rape them, and try, and the police will do nothing about it. The wow. police in England. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the town. It was an odd uh, Rotherham, I think mm-hmm. it was. Mm. If you Google Rotherham rape crisis. You will find the story of, of and, and, and this that, part of northern England where illust- English law is not enforced and rapes go unpunished because they're done by Muslims. And that so why illustrates is it a, why people need to be armed. The, the, the fact is that if, yeah, someone, don't take my guns if someone is old enough to walk around in public without adult supervision, I think they're old enough to be armed. But, you know, that's one of the arguments I made on Fox News when they were uh, Trish Regan was interviewing me about the refugee crisis. All the refugees wanting to come in, the Islamic refugees, and all these countries were letting them in by the millions. 
Americans. And I was standing Germany's against President Obama's, mistake. yeah, President Obama's decision to to let in so many millions of of uh, Muslim refugees. And I I stood against that. And I said, look, you know, the one consolation we have though in America, I said, all we have to do is look at what's happening around the world to the countries that are allowing all these people in. But the one consolation we have in America that I think that they do not bargain for is that our women, our women are armed. Or, or at least have the right some to be armed. Some, some yeah, of them, some of them have the right to be armed. But, but if you come if, after the wrong American woman, you think you're going to rape an American woman. You just might pick the wrong gal, especially well, if she's from Texas or Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some, sometimes, God bless you all. sometimes the recidivism rate will be, go to zero when you pick the wrong woman. But unfortunately, if, if they're in New York or or San Francisco or maybe Chicago, where it's pretty stinking difficult for people to actually obtain their right to keep and bear arms without fear of um, Legal being attacked by, by government, you know, they may be pretty easy victims up there. Exactly. I want you all to know, I want you to listen to the latest statistic, because there are people in America that say, well, we haven't really had any Islamic terrorist attacks lately. I want you to know 20 that, years that ago that since 9-11, no, since 9-11, Islamic terrorists have carried out more than 35,710 deadly terror attacks around the world. That's a fact. And have you noticed that ones in the United States, they try to say, like the one at the, uh, was it Orlando, the gay nightclub where the guy went in and shot the mm-hmm. place up? And they say, oh, well, that's just. They don't want to say that, his that, name that, that because that, wasn't, a, yeah. that wasn't about Islam. No, right. no, that wasn't about Islam. It was about jihad. Oh, but in, in, well, the latest was the guy that worked in the airlines in the, what is it, engineering oh, and maintenance, yeah. and maintenance he, department. They said that he was trying to get extra overtime extra by overtime, delaying the never, flight. Yeah, right. yeah that yeah. was a sorry. He should have been charged with 150 counts of attempted murder. Yeah, Because I go when along you with mess that. with the navigation system of an airplane oh. that's about to go over the sea, you know, you, 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 you're trying to kill people. You should be charged with attempted murder. And I think if, if it had been anybody else, he would have. Yeah. Been. And, and then they finally ended up getting evidence that the guy wasn't just some disgruntled you know, employee wanting overtime. That was that was malarkey. No, I have a friend who's an airline a pilot in Virginia, and he he told me recently, he said, don't fly. If you can get somewhere by car, he said, I don't like to fly anymore. And I, I have to for a living. Fly. But he said, don't fly because they're letting some of these people Work on planes, yeah. Behind the scenes, and he said, "You you watch these people behind the scenes who are working on our planes." And he said, "I I, I don't trust. I, I don't like you. it." And because of that, he said, "Don't fly anywhere." I tell you, if, uh, I I made many trips to see my in laws while they were still living mm-hmm. in uh, in upstate New York. You drove every time, <laughs> every time. I'd hop in my little. I'd make sixteen hours straight in my little sports car. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break right now, so we got a little time to talk when we get back. Ah, it's so good being with you guys today. Thank you for listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be right back. Man, is it a blast to sit in for Dave Ellswick on The Answer. Carl Kimball here, and I have enjoyed being with uh, Dave's power panel. My friends Paul Calvert, Jan Morgan, delightful to be with you guys this afternoon. Thank you. In our waning moments, I think that Jan had something that she wanted to promote. Go ahead and tell uh, Yes, I just for people who uh, wanted to know about the documentary on the Islamic terror training camps on American soil, the 35 locations that have been documented in a project by the uh, Christian Action Network. I put in the live thread on the on the Facebook page and in the watch party. I actually included a link 
to the uh, documentary, which was on Sean Hannity. Yes, we're doing Mm -hmm. a a watch Mm -hmm. party right now. It's Mm -hmm. on there. It's a link to the actual documentary as it aired on Sean Hannity's show on Fox News by Christian Action Network. They actually infiltrated the the uh, training for camps and then there's also if you look on youtube and just type in islamic terror training tra- camps in america you will see there are a number of of uh stories about that and that the fbi actually busted one in alabama so uh, you know the fbi supposedly is on top of it however they exist and i guess there's a it's a matter of proving whether or not they're, they're actually teaching it, terrorism versus just being like a, a militia an american right. militia uh, that's uh, training. The, the fbi is on top of it but they're not closing any of them down well i tell you what no but but when the fbi visited with me when they actually called me on my cell phone and asked to visit with me and my husband at the sheriff's department to announce to me that i was on the isis hit list mm-hmm. back in 2015 yeah uh you know what they said to me was they were currently overwhelmed they said they were working on over 900 cases Mm-hmm. And that they could not protect me, that they could not protect me, but they wanted me to be aware, gave me their card and said, if you see anything, hear anything, call us. We're going to monitor the chatter regarding you, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I just said, well, thanks, but, you know, I've never really counted on the government protecting me anyway. That's why we have <laughs> the Second the, Amendment. And yeah, monitor the chatter. Uh, and the fact that and and, and uh, I just said to them and, and you can ask my husband, I, he was there, you know, with his jaw dropped. Um, I said. You know, I hope you aren't expecting me to pull off of social media, to pull out of everything I'm doing regarding the issue of the Islamization of America, because I'm not. In fact, I'm going to go right back and we'll write another article about the fact that now, because of free speech in America, I'm on the ISIS hit list. And uh, here's where my address is. Here, I, Here's where I am on a daily basis. Bring it. That was in 2015. And that's exactly what I did. And to this day, of course, I'm still you alive. called the cowards out. Well, yeah, because here's the thing about Islamic terrorists. They are cowards. They they, they don't want to come after, especially uh, strong people who carry firearms. They, no, they always, they, they go into places and they, they wear, no, they don't want to fair want to fight. Mur- they want to murder They want to go in with bombs looking. strapped on them. And usually we, could, yeah. you know, put, put bombs on in, on the brainwashed uh, Islamists and then, and then kill which, a bunch which, of innocent which, people. Which might be one of the reasons why the, the, so many of them fail. Mm-hmm. Is that they're not actually putting the bombs on the on their leaders? Right. Exactly. No, no, no. It's not the leaders that put on the bombs. It's the saps. That you know, they but here's recruit. this is a telling thing. Back when I was when I was on Fox News debating Dr. Zudi Jasser, who is is actually he's a very intelligent man. He's a he was born and raised Muslim. He fought in our military for years. He's 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 one of the good guys. And he was actually trying to he had met with imams across America after 9/11 and asked them to step up to the plate and admit that this is not Islam and that they needed to to break away from Sharia law and political Islam because that was the the side of Islam. That was the the uh, the the part that promoted terrorism, that promoted and that was against the Constitution of the United of States. And do you know not only and he he has a documentary as well called The Third Jihad, and, and I recommend people watch it because he warned. This is a Muslim warned about what was coming to America. And the plans that they had for the destruction of America from within, not only was he not, did the imams of America not back him up in separating from the political Islam and and terrorism within Islam, they excommunicated him. It's worth knowing, isn't it? That's the guy I had to debate on Fox News. All right, Jan, thanks so much. I I appreciate your point of view, and I, I, I want everybody to hear it. Now... We only got five minutes so, left. Paul Calvert wants some, to make another actually, plea. Actually, so so actually, I'm going to yeah. take, take a little bit different direction. There's kind of okay. some breaking news here. Okay, there's been a lawsuit filed against Jason Rapert for blocking people on Facebook. Oh yes, that's <laughs> so, so that that's just, one of the things so that I didn't just, get around to talking so that about just came yet out. today. 
And um, so he lost. The, he hasn't lost. Lost a preliminary right, hearing. Right. And yeah. so the, um, the he tried to get it dismissed, and they right. Failed. So the um, the judge said, U.S. District just, Judge Christine Baker said the plaintiffs, the National American Atheist Groups, have a fair chance of winning the lawsuit against Rapert because he used his social media pages as a state official. The lawsuit alleges four people who live in Arkansas were unconstitutionally blocked from Rapert's social media pages after expressing viewpoints different than his own, than, than his, I think it's misspelled, several issues. Um, his, on several issues, I suppose. Um, so it's it's kind of an interesting course of events here that does a politician who is, who is expressing his political beliefs on, on Facebook does he have the right to block people? Yes, he does. And so, and that's 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 the question that's being addressed here. And is it a is it a personal page or is he acting as a government official? Yeah, he thought he'd and, get their complaint thrown out as frivolous, right? And, so and the judge refused so, to so it's an accept it's that. It's an interesting thing because is I, I when a person becomes an elected official. They lose some of their rights as citizens, and I think that's acceptable and appropriate. Because, no, it's not. No, no because uh, yes, it is. Because the, because as they're elected officials, they're now servants of the people, and therefore they're they're subject to more monitoring. I think it's more. I think it's acceptable to to um to, to make them record certain certain um activities. I think tar and feathering should be an option. Too. That, that's that's maybe for another another discussion, but um. Or may not I might not disagree with you as much as some people might think. But, <laughs> Two um, minutes left. But and so and so this idea that the government officials should be uh, more scrutinized than the normal citizens, I think, is valid. I think it is a, a valid consideration. And so the, then the idea of whether or not a, a, a Facebook page is a public event or a public, um, um. I don't know how to, how to describe it because it's, it's not. It, 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 is, it, it, is it his private Facebook page or is it the representative's Facebook right. page and, and, does, and, 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 and should there, be open to all of his constituents? And, 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 I think that's and the question. On principle, does, does, a, does, a, does an elected official have any inherent right to privacy after they become an elected official? Do they, should they be subject to having their um, – all of their electronic communications monitored to some extent, or or, or, or do they still I, I retain? One of the, it, it's an interesting question. One of the questions here is, I think, can a public official have both a public Facebook page and, and a, private. a private Facebook page and have them treated differently? Right, right, and that's a that's an interesting question. It's 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 kind of weird. And I, I'm 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 less sympathetic with government officials because the fact is that they are. They're public servants. They're supposed to be public servants. And the nature of being a servant is that you don't have as many rights as you did when you weren't a servant. I'm going to be nice and not challenge you on that because we're out of time. But next time, we're next going to bring time. this up. And I'm going to I ask hope, Senator okay. Rapert to come join us on the show and talk that, about well, that. that I'm always glad when Dave's here, but I hope I get a chance to come back and be part of it the next time you two mix it up. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Paul Calvert. Yes, Thank sir. you, Jan you Morgan. Appreciate times. you guys being with us today. You've been listening to The Dave Ellswick Show. On KDXC, The Answer, Carl Kimball going to be back with you one more hour with the Bible Guys.
Well, we're having fun here on the radio show named for Arkansas's best radio talk show host, Dave Ellswick. And Dave's not here. You've got his old buddy, Carl Kimball, subbing in just today. Dave will be back tomorrow. And we're to one of the best segments of the Dave Ellswick show all week. That's right. The Bible guys are here. we got Billy Miller, Scott Stewart, and Steve Hess all here to answer your questions about Holy Scripture or any other questions on the Christian religion that you may have, you've got experts here to take your questions and give you an intelligent and thoughtful answer. And we'd invite you to be part of the program. If you have a question about the Bible or a question about Christianity or your Christian walk, why don't you give us a call? Uh, Our telephone number here is 501-823-0965, We'd welcome your calls and your questions for the Bible guys. Uh, would you like to uh, tell us anything about your ministry, uh, introduce your ministries before we get started? Sure, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, start off. Uh, mm-hmm. I am the uh, senior pastor of Agape Church here in Little Rock. That's um, at 701 Napa Valley Drive in West Little Rock. Uh, we have services on Wednesday at 7, on Sundays at 10. And... Um, we are um, also involved in almost every kind of ministry you can imagine, whether it's talking about homeless ministry, outreach evangelism, missions, children, youth. Uh, you can find almost anything that you uh, that you would feel led to do at, uh, at Agape Church. And um, as a matter of fact, we're launching this coming Sunday, we're launching a uh, three-week uh, series on the, um, the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and uh, it'll be culminating on the 20th. On the 13th, we actually have a special thing on, on our property. So if anybody's been wanting to ride a, a camel um recently we, we've got uh, really yeah we'll have a camel you can ride on the property we have we're uh, gonna have a real feast of tishri a, a feast of yeah a feast of tabernacles will be taking place during the month of tishri so it'll be a good time uh, that'll be uh, at um on the on the 13th but um and then in the midst of all that we've uh started a um bible college on campus i'll pass it to steve for that Yep, and uh, I used to pastor a church over in Sherwood and then I left there a few years ago and went out with Pastor Scott to work on his Bible college, uh, and so that's pretty much what I do full-time as far as ministry. I also do some part-time ministry with Billy down at the the prison in Tucker Max. And I guess one of the ministries that you mentioned there uh, would be prison ministry, and uh, I, I have a primary <clears throat> responsibility for that these days. Uh, I can be found most weekends at the Maximum Security Prison at Tucker. How's that? I'll bet that has some uh, interesting stories that could be told if we had mm-hmm. time. There are some interesting stories there. But, you know, I, I find that one of the my favorite places to minister. I get the chance to travel. I get the chance to preach in various places. But those guys, um, they're giving up their Sunday or their Saturday afternoon to come down to chapel. Um, so that is a time when most of them, because everybody in there has got a job, but Saturday afternoons tend to be a time when they're watching, just like the rest of us, they're watching ball games and they're, uh, having their downtime for the week, and they give that up to come down to chapel. So um, they tend to be hungry when they walk through the door, and it is one of my So they're there because places. they want to be, not mm-hmm. because it's a Absolutely. way out of anything. Absolutely. Sure. One of my favorite places to minister. Yeah. That's yep. good. There's something about having a receptive audience yes, that makes it a little easier to <laughs> be at your best, isn't it? Well, for sure. Did uh, any of you gentlemen bring any questions in with you? Yes, we Dave forwarded well, quite a few questions over please. to us. Take us off, Steve. What you got? Okay, so uh, first one is, uh, 
how do we speak truth in love as the Bible tells us to? Sometimes truth can be painful, and so does love intentionally hurt people. Question. <clears throat> and when um, when we pray, do we always end prayer in Jesus' name? I ask because when the Lord gave us the Lord's Prayer, I didn't. Uh, it didn't end with that phrase. This is from Rachel. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, well, I'll just I'll just go ahead and jump in. Uh, the first question: um, How do you speak the truth in love? Does it say without hurting people's feelings? Well, it just says because sometimes the truth can be painful. Right. Uh, so does love intentionally hurt? Yeah. Well, um, in, I guess there's a key word there, intentionally. Um, I think that one thing you have to do when you think about this, and this goes with anything, whenever we read the Bible, you have to read it from the mindset of the people who wrote it and understand that what we believe love is, is not necessarily the way that the Hebrew writers define love. Right. We automatically define things through our lens and through an English language. And if you believe that love is a is a, is a warm, cozy, snuggly feeling that just protects and you know and kind of coddles people's feelings, then you don't understand what really um, love is. I mean, would it be would it be love to watch your toddler go out into this into a busy traffic without screaming at them? No, love would shout and run and grab and pull and yank because love would do that. If you just let them go and stood there and watched them and said, well, I'm just going to let them go. They'll, they'll learn their lesson along the way. People, you should be jailed for that. I mean, yeah. that, would be, that would be the epitome of not, uh, of not loving someone. Tough love. So, yeah, right. And so, um, and so does love intentionally hurt? No, but love does intentionally uh, speak truth for the purpose of, of bettering. You have to remember this also. Jesus was love personified. Uh, yet love personified did what? He said, you whitewashed tombs. Love yeah. personified made a, a a whip and went in and turned over tables and cracked the whip and cleansed the temple. Love did all that. But if you try to make biblical love your view of love, then you'll misunderstand and misapply and misappropriate what love is actually all about. Yeah. I, I, I really am, can't add to that. That's pretty good. I unfortunately have some uh, some experience in dealing with individuals who uh, have addiction problems. Um, going to see a brother who is in the middle of an addiction issue, I guarantee you in that moment, from his point of view, I am not being loving. Right. Now, um, for several of those individuals, now looking back 10, 12, 15 years for some of them, um, they're now, they're, their lives are together, they're clean and sober. Um, today... It, they will thank me for, for what it was I, I did for them um, 10 or 15 years ago. But um, the question becomes, what is the motivation and whose point of view are we talking about? Mm-hmm. And uh, the motivation there was to see them uh, alive in, in some instances and healthy again. And regardless of what it was, I had to say to them and, and in some cases do to them to get them um, to a place where they could um, admit what was going on and seek that help. That was done in love. Um, it, it wasn't pleasant from their point of view, but it was done in love. But if you're so. going, it has to be done in love and not from a self-righteous perspective. Right. Yes, I so. think the, the motivation determines it. You have to go with a genuine concern and compassion for the person, and then you deliver the truth. Although it might sting them, it is going to be for their um, for their benefit. And I'll just go ahead and just, just as an example, once again, you have to make sure that you understand what not just with love is, but with what everything is from the perspective, the context, which it was written. If you do that, you, you don't get into a lot of problems. Quick example, 
Uh, I was in I was in Israel whenever I was 18 years old, and I'm listening to this tour guide lecture. And he's about he finishes, and as he's about to walk away, he was standing under a tree for shade, and it was leafy and it had this small little yellow fruit on it. And he was about to walk away, and I stopped him, and they have this whole massive crowd of people, and I said, "What's that? Um, what's that fruit?" And he looked up and he said, oh, that's a locust. And I said, I beg your pardon? He said, that's locust. And I, so the immediate thing that popped into my head is John the Baptist came drinking honey and eating locusts. I said, do you mean, is it possible that John I thought was it was not- locusts. Yeah, yes. That's exactly the word, locusts. So if, I think that's what the King James says, locusts. Right, right. And that's actually what they call it, but that's mm-hmm. not what it means. See, we, ah. we think it's a grasshopper, mm-hmm. but to them it's a fruit. Right. Ah. And actually, the tree, the tree is actually called the St. John's tree. That yeah. sounds less gross. Yeah. It does. But here's the point. When people in our Western culture read that, we interpret it based upon what, what How our we society believes. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to saying, we have to question or test everything. And until we get to that place, I think we'll misunderstand lots of words. Fascinating stuff. Let's take our break now so we got more time to continue the conversation after this. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show with the Bible Guys on KDXC. Welcome back. Carl Kimball sitting in for Dave this afternoon with the Bible Guys. And that was a two-part question. It was. And we had another half of that. Go ahead, Steve. The other one said, when we pray, do we always end prayer in Jesus' name? I asked because when the Lord gave us the Lord's Prayer, it didn't end with that phrase. So he tells us in other places that whatever you ask in his name, and, and that's, that phrase is used a lot about praying in his name, um, is given us because it, it's basically given us his authority. So when he gave us the Lord's Prayer, he was telling it, but he was the one saying it. It was in his own authority. So whenever we say a prayer, uh, it's backed up by because it's by his merit or, right. if you will, his authority to be able to approach the throne of God. And so... The- when, the reason why he didn't say that is because he was the one who was praying the prayer. Right. But I also go, there's many times that when I pray, God knows who he's talking to. Oh, yeah. And I know who I'm talking to. So I don't, because there's a, a, a natural communion that's taking place in our discussion, I don't always say when I get done praying in Jesus's name. Now, I, I used to get called on uh, a lot of times to say the opening prayer in the Lions Club. And I knew we had we had Christian members, we had Jewish members. And so I'd just say, I'd give something from the heart, say, in your holy name we pray. Mm-hmm. That was not an insult in any way to, to our Lord to have closed it that way, I hope. You know, um, I was reading, reading a testimony of a, of a lady who was— um, it was a, a Jewish girl who, well, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Um, I took my son to Israel on out on his senior trip, mm-hmm. and uh, there is a garden in Jerusalem called Padre Nostra, and that's Italian, or that's Latin, and it means our Father. Mm-hmm. And so you walk into this garden, and the Lord's Prayer, which is many times called the Our Father, mm-hmm. um, in this garden, there's there's engravings and paintings, every language you could possibly imagine. This prayer is in, so it's all over the place. And it's in French, it's in Italian, it's in Latin, it's in Scots, it's in Gaelic, it's whatever, wherever, every language you could possibly imagine is in there. But we're walking into this garden, and our tour guide, who's a secular Jew, he says, he said, we call this place, this is called the Padre Nostra, he said, he said, you, you'll know it as the Lord's Prayer, he said, but this is the traditional Jewish prayer that we would pray every year at Yom Kippur. And I said, 
uh, stop me. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. what? And it turns to find out that this is a traditional Jewish prayer. Now, we think it's brand new and made up, but Jesus just took right. it and made so application it, it was to a it. traditional Jewish prayer before Jesus example before, right. for the before disciples. Before it even existed. And I was reading a testimony. This one uh, girl, she was a Jewish girl. She was to put it into a parochial school, a Catholic <clears throat> parochial school. And every day they would say the Our Father as they started uh, the school. And she thought, she did not know until she got older, but she thought that they did that. She knew she was in a Catholic school, but she thought they had that prayer in there because they because knew she was she, there. Because she knew that little Jewish girl was in the class, so they <clears throat> prayed a Jewish prayer in the beginning, and they did the rest of the class as Christians. That's and awesome. she didn't know until later that that was actually a prayer that Jesus prayed. She had no clue. Hmm. And this just shows once again the disconnect mm-hmm. between the Christians right. and their Jewish root. If you reconnect us to the root, we can start producing the fruit that you saw in the Book of Acts. But as long as we can't remain disconnected from our root system, we'll always be lacking in first century results. And that's one of those things that most modern Christians don't understand. There is very, very little that Jesus did that wasn't either law or tradition already by the time he arrived on the scene. There's very, very little there. Um, He did not come to do a whole bunch of new stuff. Uh, mostly what he came to do was point us directly back to the original source and go, here's the way this is supposed to be lived out, y'all. So. And guess what? Who's the who's the reality of all that? <clears throat> Messiah. Absolutely. Amen. All right, got another one. Okay. In John 2, 1 through 11, the story of the wedding in Canaan contains Yeshua's first miracle. I've never heard a sermon on this. It would seem to be, it would seem being his uh, first miracle, it would certainly be one filled with significance. I realize there is a lot to unpack, the relationship with his mother, the timing of it, and the wedding itself, and all the Hebrew symbolism that comes into play, other than water and wine, cleansing blood and wine, uh, and uh, with he as a symbol of joy. What is your insight? (laughs) Well, That's a great one. (laughs) I will just go ahead and jump in here really quick. Um, uh, That comes from a man named Mike Brown. And I'll just go ahead and say, uh, Mike, I actually did a teaching on this um, back in the uh, in the winter. It should be available um, from our church uh, bookstore. But um, um, I Jesus did 37 miracles. Actually, we have a record of 37 miracles that he did. Uh, the Bible says if you did if you wrote, recorded everything he did, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be enough room to contain it. But the Holy Spirit saw fit to only augment 37 of them for us. And so you would think, uh, so when the Holy Spirit chooses these 37 out of thousands, mm-hmm. they must be really important. Mm-hmm. So every miracle is telling us something specific, something important. It's dealing with something. And the first one the Holy Spirit chooses to tell us about is, of course, the water turning into wine. And um, and so I did a whole teaching on this. And I don't have time to do the whole thing now. But needless to say, Jesus stepped right into uh, the culture of his day and brought out an amazing truth. And I'll just give you one little nugget of it, and that was this. The the tradition of the day, the writings of the rabbis say this, that when Messiah comes, it will be like days of wine. It will be as if wine was rolling down from the hills. They believe that when the time of, when the Messianic age came, that the way Messiah would inaugurate the Messianic age is he would take us all back to the Garden of Eden. He would pull grapes from the trees, crushed grapes, and make wine for everybody to enjoy and to drink. That was a symbol of the arrival of the Messianic wow. kingdom. So what would be his first miracle the Holy Spirit would choose to show us, or which one would he do? I think it was because he was taking what was already a belief set and working that out in front of the people. Powerful. Yep. 
And I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Jesus even said, "If you don't believe the words I'm saying, believe the the, the works that I'm right. That Take I'm a look at what I'm doing. Yeah, right. You know, my, myself, I belong to no organized religion. I'm a Baptist." And uh, you belong to the organized religion. You know, of course, I was raised Southern Baptist. I tell my I tell my Southern Baptist friends that I know enough to know that the people at that party would not have said, "Wow, he saved the best stuff for last." If it was Welch's grape juice, that's why I paused from my sarcasm. I was going to say I didn't realize they had such large plastic Welch's bottles back then. They didn't, but. I couldn't help myself. Yeah. Uh-huh. He teed it up for me. He did. <laughs> well, yes, I guess we could all talk a lot about <laughs> got that. Got about a minute and a half left. Billy, you got anything you want to add to that? Uh, so I think in in having discussed this earlier, I think uh, all three of us had probably uh, preached or taught from that particular um, passage. I, I, one of the things that I like to focus on when I'm, when I'm teaching through that is um, the fact that here is the Messiah himself. And his mother comes to him, and the respect and honor for parents is so strong that even though he declares, it's not my time yet, when she put it to him, he honored his mother and fulfilled her request. Um, And there are a couple of things we can take from there. One, um, I don't believe in praying for something once and then going, that's it. I'm done praying for it. No, no, no. That's not what Scripture says. Um, And number two, we should all be honoring our mother and father, regardless yeah. of how old you are. He's not looking this direction. My, my <laughs> eldest happens to be sitting in the other room over there. So, um, and, and I think this is a beautiful depiction of that a proper authority. Jesus was always about proper authority. And when his mom came and told him to do it, he did but it. That does not extend into the heavenly. This is true. So if there's Don't anybody, because this wait, is where what? this comes from, part of the idea that when you pray to Mary because she convinced with her motherly authority uh, to have Jesus do that, that somehow this authority extends into heaven. So when you pray to her, she can then kind of lean over to him on the throne and whisper yeah. to him and go, hey, remember what I told you in Canaan? That is not, Bad this theology. does not well, extend into eternity. I, I don't know if you guys would want to get into this after the break, but one thing that always confused me about that story is how come Jesus' mom had so much authority at that wedding if she wasn't the mother of the bride. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe throw that out for the uh, next 15-minute segment here after the bottom of the hour break. Cool. Appreciate you guys being here with us. The Bible guys have got plenty of enlightenment for us on all subjects biblical. Call us when we get back from the break. We'll go to you first, 823 If you got a question for the Bible, guys, you're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show on The Answer. Well, the talk would probably be a whole lot more stimulating if Dave was here. But, uh, <laughs> hey, he should be back tomorrow for all you Dave Ellswick fans. I know I'm one, and I'll be listening to Carl Kimball here sitting in for Dave. And I'm privileged to be with the Bible guys, Billy, Scott, Steve. And in order not to take up any more of your time, go right to it, Steve. <clears throat> this one's addressed to Pastor Scott, and judging by the content, it's probably good. It was addressed to Pastor Scott. Oh, really? How should I answer someone who becomes aggressive when I try to share my faith? (laughs) What is the best way to approach someone um, to even begin a conversation about the Lord anyway? Right. Um, Well, we don't know here from this if this aggressiveness is physical 
or if it's just verbal, um, I would assume it's a more of a verbal uh, aggressiveness. But if it is um, physical, then you just need to just back away. Um, this is, did you say this was from a, who wrote this? No, did it, did it a woman or a man? Uh, Shelly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if you, if you're witnessing to a man and he starts becoming physically aggressive, then you just need to just back away from that. Um, but then, and if it's verbally aggressive, you know, you just need to be able to, again, pull back, I think. Um, but if you're going to go back and talk to that person again, what I always do, I even do this when I just have a meeting with someone on my staff. Um, I always try to get time and I pray over the meeting before mm-hmm. I have the meeting so that the meeting goes well. Especially, if, especially if I'm, if I'm going to say something that's going to be confrontational or maybe, maybe problematic, or I'm going to it might make them upset. I'll pray, I, pray over it before I have that uh, particular conversation. Um, so um, I think that you just need to um, walk with caution there. I have an analogy that I use, and if you, you, you would get two different answers depending on where in time and space you ask me this question. <laughs> uh, but wisdom teaches us a lot of things, uh, and once you've uh, beat your head against the wall a few times, you eventually learn that some people you cannot talk to. And people who become aggressive are not interested in a conversation, so there's right. no point in carrying it forward. And whenever I t- start talking to people about anything, whether it's an unbeliever, a believer, whatever, um, I use what I call the dog analogy. So when you, if you're talking um, and all of a sudden you get the, they're barking at you, they're not interested in what you have to say. But if they turn their head like, you know, that little puppy dog look, then they're interested and then there's somebody that's want to have a conversation. So it just depends on how it is and what it is that you're talking about. But I found out that getting into an arguing match with somebody is not going to be productive. Right. That's a, really? that's a big deal for you, Steve. <laughs> yeah. said, I knew neither one of you was, said. He figured was, out that, that there was a reason he was happy that that was addressed to you. That's all I'm saying. Right. Now, uh, it's I, a physical question. <laughs> I'll stop there. You should, you should well, seriously uh, stop. A very, seriously. very wise man once said a soft answer yes, turns, turns away wrath. Right. Yeah. Yes, it does. Uh, so there's a left hook. Lord, we're going to pray for What happened to the other sheet? Wait, did that come out? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. it did. Uh, I would say, um, it, for me, it, it really depends um, on why I think they're being aggressive. Sometimes uh, I just, some of my closest friends um, have a tendency to get loud when we have a difference of opinion, and I'm not staring at the far end of the table down there. <laughs> um, so it, it really kind of depends on why they're becoming uh, verbally aggressive. Um, in some instances, people who um, who are holding on to traditions that they don't really understand why um, you know that well, my my grandmother served Jesus this way, and my mama served Jesus this way, and this is the way I serve Jesus, and they don't they're not rooted and grounded, so they become pretty defensive. And I know people who will who will get particularly uh, vocal just because they're being defensive. But uh, in that case, you can generally back off a little bit and have a conversation um, without completely having to abandon it. Got a phone call? All right, let's take a call, guys. We have. Uh, Susan from North Little Rock. Susan, thank you for calling the Bible guys on KDXC. <laughs> okay, hey, um, I have a question. Uh, I want to go back to um, talking about the Lord's Prayer. Okay, when he showed them how to pray. Now, um, if Christ is our intercessor for us mm-hmm. and we go to the Father through him, uh I believe that our prayers should be in Jesus' name, but at that time, the kingdom had not come. He had not been sacrificed. 
Uh, the old law had not been gotten done away with. So I I just wish you would expound on that. And, and if you were talking about saying a prayer, if there were Jews around, I'm not sure what exactly you're talking about. But I do we do what, you know, I mean, the Bible is the doctrine. It's not the doctrine of man. Anything founded on a man or his name is, is not the, the, the Bible. So why would a prayer that is supposed to go to the Father through Jesus, why would you do it just to, like, please the crowd? I don't understand that thing. And would you go back to that Lord's Prayer and just um, break it down? Well, it, it was he had not been sacrificed. So but would you do that? And I'm going to go ahead and hang up, and I'll just listen to y'all talk for a little bit. Thank you for calling, okay. Susan. Okay, one of the other things I forgot to add to that was it was also common for teachers and rabbis to teach their disciples certain prayers. Uh, and so this was another example of that. Yes, it's way different uh, because of who he is at that time and who he ultimately become and became, as she said, when the kingdom had come, uh, if you will. Uh, but the the other statement is one of those things um, that people have to determine where they're at and how they handle public prayer. So when I was in the military, I was asked at times to uh, give a prayer, like when we would have an event uh, for the, the squadron Thanksgiving uh, dinner. And I would just tell them, you need to know who I am, and, and I don't do the, um, hey, um, not to be offensive prayer. So I, I'm a Christian. This is what I believe. And, and if I'm going to pray, you're going to hear Jesus's name at the end of it. So um, whenever put it in those settings, I just kind of let it be known up front. Uh, and if um, and if, I, if I'm not able to give them ample warning, I still pray <laughs> in Jesus's name. I just do the uh, better to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission point of view, because that is our that is our authority. Right. Uh, but we do it, it is, and it becomes a difficult situation like you brought up with with Jewish people, um, because especially if you're kind of put on the spot and we mm-hmm. have a bunch of Jewish people in the crowd, because when you pray in Jesus's name, most Jews will hear that as an affront, even though your heart is yeah. to say, hey, I am just praying in the authority in which I believe nearly every Jew, when they come into that environment and they hear you pray that way, they 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 view you as um, a missionary who's trying to convert them, yeah, not right. a people who are worshiping the same God. So I, I won't, my view is that, but if one chooses not to be an offense to Jews um, in that context, then I also won't fault them for that. Now, if it's a more um, public forum where there's m- maybe Muslims and others, I'm just telling it it's coming out, sorry, right, uh, right. or just find somebody else. And Jesus even said, uh, talking to his disciples, he said, up until this point, you've asked nothing in my name, but in the future, you will ask in my name that you might receive. So um, I agree with, uh, with Susan that if um, that once once the kingdom had come, when Jesus had, had sacrificed himself, when he had gone, uh, then we asked in his name. When he was here, they asked him personally. Right. And uh, and then he took care of it. Uh, but when he left, now you approach the Father, and the way you approach the Father is in the name of Jesus as the authority to get your prayer answered or um, in, in as him as him representing you. So in, in that we would uh, in that we would uh, totally uh, totally agree. So right. you're right on that, Shelley uh, or Susan. I would the one thing I would say here, um, and, and I know we've we've had this conversation before, is that we have to 
be careful that we're not trying to create some magic spell. You know, just because I asked for something and I cram Jesus' name on the end of that suddenly, um, or if I forget Jesus' name, the whole spell doesn't work. Um, I, when I pray over people, specific, especially, um, I pray in the name, power, and authority of Jesus Christ or Yeshua Hamashiach. Uh, when I am petitioning God for things, uh, I will I will pray that way. When I'm burying my heart before him and just trying to be in relationship, um, I, I probably don't. I was trying to think earlier when we were having this conversation, Have I all, every time I open my mouth in prayer, do I throw an in Jesus' name at the end of that? Probably not, mm-hmm. um, because there are times when I'm, I'm not seeking um, supernatural power or um, for God to, to do something specific. I'm simply... Uh, basking in his presence, trying to be close to him. So um, I I want to caution that we're not trying to create some legalism here that says if you do this, then you will get what you want, and if you don't do this, you don't get what you want. But we will also recognize that there is the biblical principle there to ask in his name. So um, I I, I tend to – I suppose you have I'm to go, not quite. But as, you also have to go back to this authority thing. So that's part of what he was establishing there because – Remember, how many times was he asked when he started to teach, by whose authority, by whose authority? So um, he was basically telling them that when you pray to the Father, this is the authority. And yes, we understand that um, post-resurrection, the idea of what we're talking about here in the kingdom uh, and the authority to go before the Father, because now as he being the only intercessor, right, there's no other way, no other name, no other person that can get before the, the Father except through the Son, now we understand that in that full spiritual context, but here uh, it is an authoritative thing, and authority right. was everything at that time. Yeah, you know, I've been willing to pray in in public or in group settings because I'm not ashamed of of my religion. But every time I do, I always think about the parable about the Pharisee praying out loud on the street corner and the sinner tearing his clothes in the closet, and which ones. Prayer was really heard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Motivation means something. Yep. Uh, which which we, were, we were just talking about motivation and dealing with people, right. and motivation means something. But uh, directly to Susan's point, when the Scripture says that, that that was the way you should read, that is the established form. Absolutely. But I think what Billy was saying is if you're, if you're in your, your prayer closet and you're saying, Lord, I just, I just bless you, I worship you, God, thank you so much for being my Savior, for deliver me for healing me thank you lord for blessing me with such a wonderful day yesterday you typically you typically um would just kind of let it be at that that you typically don't end that with with in jesus name because it's more of a it's not so much a formal formal prayer as right. it is a worship right yeah. uh, and and so um but i think i think we understand where we're at now on this yep. yeah. Good. makes sense why don't we go ahead and take our last break now so we got a little time at the end of the hour i Appreciate so much your guys' thoughtful uh, answers to Susan's question. It was a good question, too. All right, you're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show, and we'll be back for our final segment with the Bible Guys right after this. Welcome back. Carl Kimball sitting in for Dave today, and he'll be back tomorrow. Delighted to have the Bible Guys with us. We're down to about the last 10 minutes, so uh, probably got time for one more question. Scott, what you got? It is, how do the Bible guys know what sources are trustworthy from the Internet? There Mm. is so much available out there in cyberspace, but how can I be sure that the sources um, is reliable? Any helpful hints? Hmm. It's really tough, and this is why it also comes back to um, having your own study Mm -hmm. um, background. 
which I would highly recommend going to a place called the American Institute.org <laughs> if you're interested in such studies. Yeah. But the reason uh, the internet can be um, a death trap is because it, it costs a few bucks and you can get a website uh, and now you're an internet scholar. Uh, and there's so many people put out so much stuff out there. And I had some people asking me questions about different books and things that people are talking about now and, and different things. And I would just told them, this is where that came from. These people are, are taking these books out of context They're And I would have to introduce them to some theories and thoughts that would bring these books forth called Gnosticism and hidden knowledge. Uh, and they didn't know these things. Okay. And these people who are putting this stuff on the internet don't know these things because right. they don't study. Go and find out when it says about who are they? What's their background? Where did they study? What do they have? If they don't have any background in any study, they're just somebody who picked up a Bible, started reading it, and throwing stuff out on the internet. It, it's not that you want to discount it because it's not to say people can't have certain wisdom and revelation. Um, but John and Paul both wrote books against Gnosticism, did right. they not? They mm-hmm. did. But trying to find in our day and age, because there is so much out there, um, it, I would you just have to cross-reference and double-check and cross-reference and double-check. And unless there is an enormous amount of source that's backing up a certain group and in, and you find that source, whether it's a valid source, you, you have to trace that stuff back. I mean, that's really about the only way. But because I've got that background, it's kind of easy to filter through it. Yeah. But if you don't have that background, you know, there's a verse of Scripture that says that we are to know those who labor among us. And if you're searching for something out there and you come across some random person on the Internet and you know nothing about that person, then you just need to, you need to, you need to take their information with great caution. Mm-hmm. And then I would take it and then I would print it off and take it to someone who you trust and counsel with that individual. Or as Pastor Steve, Steve said, you kind of research the, re, the person who's putting the information out there because you can find everything yep. out. Yep. I mean, if you know anybody with a type, with a... Um, with a computer can put something out there and it's just not right. I mean, honestly, the really good scholarly stuff you can't get on the internet without, thank you, thank without, without paying for yeah. it. Yeah. There's a paywall there and you have to pay to get the information. So the real academically peer reviewed stuff, now there's some out there, but it's very little, but the real stuff you've got to pay to get. It's not yeah. for the most part. I'm a very old fashioned guy. I like to do my studying and learning out of books written on paper, mm-hmm. not off the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Now we don't want to discount though anything's outside because the way the uh the three of us believe and and who Pastor Scott and I initially got our degrees from would part of the people that were rocking some of that traditional scholarly right. view. Right. Um, but they sourced the material. They would go back to ancient books, and they would bust up some of this, quote-unquote, which we can get into the next part, which is systematic theology, which depending on what your foundation is. So there there could be some people that are having some insight and different revelation that these other things, but most of that stuff is not. Most of that stuff is in outer space, weird stuff <laughs> that just doesn't line up yeah. with the Scriptures, that people taking words out of context— they bought, an, they bought an app to learn Hebrew, and they don't realize that just because there are seven definitions of that Hebrew word, you can't go and pick the third one because it lines up, because you don't realize that the inflection yeah. and, the, and the vowel points and all the things <laughs> changes that definition, and, and you can't just do that. And unfortunately, a lot of guys do that. They pick the third or fourth definition, go, it fits my theology, and now they're scholars. Right. So it, it, you got to go to school. I'm, and you got to trust those guys that have done all of that and have done right. all that research. How important is being able to read Hebrew to being able to understand the Scripture? 
Well, I, I would say it's as important as being able to read English and read the King James Bible. Yeah. It's that important. Yeah. Um, I, if, if you, I if always you, if figured you, it was if, translated from the original King James. <laughs> <laughs> See, most, most people believe that. There's people that believe well, that. But if, if you re- I mean, honestly, if, you, if, you, if you're going, I mean, think about this. We give our entire life to study one book. Yeah. One. And if you've given your whole life to study one book, would you not do everything in your ability to understand that book correctly? Yeah. And that means studying the language, the context, the history, the geography, the the customs, everything related to that book to understand that book. And we don't have enough time to understand the original language because yeah. we just got other stuff we got to do. So it, it, it's it's that important because how do you how do we know the English is right? Well, because well we've got how many English translations do we have out there? Which ones are correct? Well, we have the King James. Well, do you know how many times the King James has been changed yeah. to what you have today? Uh, no, you need you need the you need to go back to the original. That's why we teach Hebrew at the American Institute. And if you pause, this is really really important. Be still in your study, and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. Right. I don't know how many times after I started taking Hebrew and I was in my third semester and all of a sudden just all of these things started opening up to me in the scriptures. But then I started to learn what I, the point I just made, that when I saw that there was a potential second and third meaning to these words, but yet the context determines that, and then I'm going, man, that'd be a great sermon. Man, that's a great <laughs> point. And all of a sudden you could just hear the Spirit of God going, you know that's not what that, you know that doesn't fit. Right. And if if you step away from sensational um preaching um and and when you begin to study and you take all of these tools you really do need to pause and be still for a moment and allow the spirit of god and if you find something that gets you um all revved up and excited about something and then it's but it's absolutely crazy uh you'll get that little pinch right uh, and and you got to trust that pinch um, I, I really say you got to add that to your study, okay, because it really will lead you. And these people who have gone down this crazy road, they shut that pinch off a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> they really did. And, and I think um, both of you both of you bumped against it. And my first piece of advice is always to wait against Scripture. Um, it, if it if it doesn't disagree with scripture somewhere, then you can start considering it. But if you read whatever the web page is and you go, oh, well, that's not what scripture says, then you just throw the rest of that away and skip it altogether. Um, because we, we know that that is the authoritative source. So start there. Um, and then even, even if it doesn't, you don't find something that obviously um, – disagrees with scripture be careful you're you're the holy spirit should lead you and because it's real easy for someone who makes a living with words it's real easy for me to not directly violate scripture but to give you a completely wrong idea if i wanted to um so you have to be careful there as well i have to say one more thing sorry i'm being very bossy here but i have to make this point um we're used to it (laughs) the the theology okay um what we fight about and what we disagree about within the church circles in most um, instances is irrelevant. If you keep yourself to that there is one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his Messiah is Yeshua, Jesus, and you do the moral and ethical commandments, and you are nice to people, you love people, you take care of the poor, you take care of the orphan, and you do those moral and ethical things, 
that theological stuff about futuristic things, uh, what was the pre-Adamic world like, what were the Nephilim, are there aliens, uh, what's heaven going to be like. Those are great discussions, but don't get lost in that theology and forget to do the applicable things of the the Scripture. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. The rest is commentary. I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to diminish. I mean, this is what we do, this is what we teach, but you would be surprised if you become a, a, a student of the school how little we do in theology. Right. We go back to what the Bible meant to those who wrote it, when they wrote it, and the context. You can follow the theology. And, and would you, you say want. that in your studies, always be wary of anyone who's claiming special knowledge, yes, hidden absolutely. knowledge? That's what Paul and John wrote absolutely. against the people that said, oh, if you only knew what I knew, you would be better than the rest. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Dave Ellswick Show today. Thank you to the Bible guys for being here. Billy, Scott, Steve, it was just a delight. Thank you for letting me sit in. Carl Kimball, substituting for Dave Ellswick, who will be back tomorrow. Yay! <laughs>